census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Episode 266 of the Throwdown Thursday podcast. My name is Patrick Rahal, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd. We are broadcasting here from the Pat Cave, uh, deep within the bowels of Magenta Manor. And uh, we are brought to you by Deadly Grounds Coffee. Once you go deadly, you don't go back because we are part of the Dorkening Podcast Network. Check out the Dorkening.com or the Dorkening Facebook group to find, uh, I think we're up to almost 40 shows at this point. That's so many. But of course, I am not here on my own. I am joined by my co-host on the show and my co-host in life. She is the Baroness of Bordeaux, the Countess of Cabernet, the Queen Regent of Rosé, the Mistress of Merlot, the Real Housewife of Transylvania, the Michael Phelps of Wine, the Queen of the Monsters, and an Honorary Lizzie. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Ashes Von Nightmare. I'm not drunk. I only had half of four bottles of wine. <laughs> it's a slow Tuesday for you. Mommy doesn't get drunk. She just have fun. This is not Where's a, the crackers. This is not a Linda Belcher episode. I, I mean, it could be. Yeah, it, it, but it's not because we did not do our research for Linda Belcher because we are joined by two very special guests, uh, two of uh, two people that we have only recently met. Uh, in the past couple of months, but but it feels like we've been friends forever. Yes, mm -hmm. it like, really, it really does. does. <laughs> right? Like I'm not just making that up. Like no, no, no it's, it's one of those like cliche things that is actually true. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know because uh, they have a, a a a raffle group and we have a raffle group and we each won stuff in each other's group. So it's like, oh, let's meet up in Salem because you guys oh, live in Salem. No. I guess we'll have to go to Salem. Right. <laughs> we went out to eat and we had some food, we had some drinks, and it was just awesome. And now we've uh, we've gone out a couple times uh, to see them. Like I had never gone to Salem in my entire life up until a couple of years ago. Now I've been twice in the past few months. And we're going to add to that. And, we're, yeah. Oh, yeah. and come back again. <laughs> yeah, we actually know uh, three times in the last few months. Because um, one time I helped bring somebody from the airport. But uh, we should probably introduce them. Uh, so our guest this evening to help us discuss our discussion, uh, we have Kales from the Crypt and the Good Witch Anna Maria. Ladies, thank you so much for uh, stopping by and taking the time tonight. Of course. Thank you for having us, guys. Thanks, guys. We love hanging out with you, even if it's, you know, virtually. Virtually. Yeah, but I mean, there's there's worse things, I suppose. You know, you know, it's uh, it's the state of the world that we're in now is exactly. pretty much everything has to be virtual. And mm -hmm. yep. I'm not complaining. <laughs> The only one who's happy about a pandemic. Yeah, pretty much. Avoiding the world, this one. <laughs> I mean, I don't mind avoiding people, but it's like, it's one of those things where I have been in this room, essentially, since 
In my own little corner in the <laughs> I can be you whatever I want to be. I don't know what that is. Does, oh my God. Really, <laughs> you guys know, but Rogers I don't know. Rogers and Hammerstein. Cinderella. <laughs> I may or may not have been in a high school production. I think we were all in a high school production of that at some point. I was not. Yep. I was not because I am totally un. I had no. I thought it was like SpongeBob or something. Oh my no, god! No, well, well, your next mission is you have to watch the Whitney Houston version Obviously. and talk about that at some point. That is, although I am really looking forward to the Billy Porter version of that coming out. Oh, Billy Porter uh, is the godmother. Specifically oh for my god. Billy Porter, like yes. I was felt I'm like yes. whatever about like and Billy his Porter. amazing outfits. Like, oh my god! Yes. Oh, I'm so excited. Nobody dresses like Billy Porter. No, <laughs> nobody can. Uh, but. You guys are on, and we're going to be discussing uh, a recent, sort of like a, a well-done series, but it was done as three feature-length films, which mm -hmm. I really liked. And uh, there was a lot of mixed reviews out there, but uh, I think we all enjoyed it. I say it wouldn't be a horror film if there wasn't mixed reviews about oh, absolutely. it. Absolutely, 100%. Some sort of, like, really, uh, like, battle lines drawn in the horror community uh you know uh it, it wouldn't be a horror if film. it doesn't divide the community is it really a horror film exactly <laughs> I'm trying to get at, yes i'm looking at you midsummer um, <laughs> see i you know and i had a weird opinion of midsummer like i liked it i thought it was a good movie it just eh, i don't need to watch it again it just wasn't for me see, that's how i feel about it too See, the more I th that's one of those films where the more I kind of uh, digested it, the more I sat with my thoughts, the it's more like I it was... liked it to the point where I love it now. <laughs> it, I am I'm one of those like good for her, good for her. You know, well, I just end. saw an article about how, you know, like it's not a hey, good for her movie. It's a wow. She got indoctrinated into this cult really easily. movie. <laughs> Real power. <laughs> you might say it was unbearable. <laughs> if you've seen the movie, you know why that's funny. Um, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about Fear Street today. But since you ladies are first-time guests on the show, although, uh, Kales, we have, uh, you, we have uh, been on a podcast before, uh, but since you are first-time guests on the show... That means you are subject to the getting into character questions that we ask dun, everyone. Dun, dun. And sometimes I will prepare questions beforehand. But in this case, I think uh, just kind of winging it because that's a type of easy <laughs> conversation that we have. Uh, so I'm going to start. What was what's the, with that face? I have a face. Uh, you always have a face. You have a weird face looking at me like that. You're all like, mm -hmm. Man, I, I should have poured myself a glass of wine for these questions. <laughs> so my my first my first question, because you guys are both avid horror fans. So if you were to go up against uh pick it, you know, you're gonna have to pick a uh, a horror icon. Oh. Who would you be the most successful at defending yourself against? And who would you be least likely to survive an encounter with? Oh. Uh, it doesn't matter who goes first. 
You go. Well, I think I would be most successful against Freddy Krueger because I have horrific insomnia and I never sleep. Um, So that might be helpful. Uh, I think for me, who would I be least successful? That's a a tough one. Um, Can I say Bruce the Shark? Because um, (laughs) I would... I always say this, I want to go into a shark tank, but as soon as one came by, I would shit my wetsuit and it would just, I'd be sunk to the bottom of the ocean and I'd be okay. shark bait. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty good. I mean, I mean, if to me, I would say I would absolutely stomp the mummy. Especially the one from the monster squad. I would wreck that dude. I would trash the mummy like that or a skeleton. Mm. Like even the ones from like, you know, Jason and the Argonauts, oh. the, uh, the, the Ray Harry house and stuff. Oh, like, classic. Like, oh, or, uh, um, army of darkness. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, you're a scout. Ske- you're a fucking skeleton. Like I could wreck you. Like that's no problem. Right. I take your leg bone. What are you going to do now? <laughs> like, you know, Jason or like Victor Crowley. I Anything that involves running. That's kind of the big one. I'm asthmatic. If I'm running, you probably should be running too. Well, I mean, Michael yeah. Myers oh, like, my is like, slightly walk backwards a little faster than he's walking forwards. So <laughs> that is I mean, that's easy now. So, uh, Anna Maria, what about you? Um, so, who I think I would go up against and win, I think our definition of winning. Um, I am a big fan of Dracula. So I think I would just like be like one of Dracula's brides. So I think that's winning, right? Wow, I'm gonna get bumped for Dracula by the time I mean, this episode's over. The first love, okay? Like <laughs> you can't beat that. That's that's fair. Like whatever your definition, it's like, oh yeah, yeah. like I came out on top. This is what I yeah, want. I, I I feel that yes. This is the Sit outcome forever. that I prefer that works. <laughs> I mean that that's that's totally my jam. Uh, you... Who I would lose against uh, Pennywise for sure. Oh. I would just be completely like she's so I scared. Would... Of... I or love Annabelle. It. Oh, oh, actually, <laughs> let me change that. It's Annabelle. I'm terrified <laughs> of dolls. You're right. I try to pretend she doesn't exist. I think that's part of why she escaped my brain. <laughs> yeah, Annabelle wins. I hate her. I would just be terrified and just be like a crippling, crying child on the on the ground. Wow. Yeah. No. I'm a doll. I mean, she's a scary doll. Okay, oh. wait. I have some trauma about dolls. <laughs> and that's fair. <laughs> I mean, All right. I wrote a whole article when I was writing for a paranormal website. I wrote a whole article about the island of dolls mm. and inspired yeah. the doll haiku in my in uh, how much do you tip an exorcist? So, yeah, I get it. I get it. Yep. That would be it. Yeah, no. <laughs> Shifting gears from horror, uh, seeing as it sounds like you both are, uh, I don't want to say well versed, but uh, interested in musicals. Yes. I don't know what is your favorite musical? <laughs> can I go first? You can go first. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, I, uh, oh, there's so many. There's so many. Uh, I listen to musicals on a very daily basis. So, so what's your favorite one? I mean, I think it's it's a toss up between Rent and Les Mis. I mean, I would I can belt out some Rent. Like we were here the other day, and I was working at home, and I was like screaming my heart out. I was so happy. That's probably why I wasn't home. 
Miss for me are just like. I also have a toss up. I know. Uh, mine's Phantom of the Opera. Oh, obviously. Mm -hmm. And Dear Evan Hansen, oh, I thought yeah. was. Oh my incredible. god! And I cannot wait to see the movie, even yeah. though yeah. they look like a weirdo. But <laughs> yes, I I'm fully prepared to go to the theater with a box of oh, two oh yeah oh yeah already ball my stuff. eyes out next to him who's gonna have no idea what's going on. <laughs> I have a toss up too. It's either uh, South Park, bigger, longer, and uncut, <laughs> or which is a musical. One hundred percent, it is a musical. What Toronto do is still such an incredible oh, song. Oh my god. Uh, at one, oh, I forget which awards show it was, but Robin Williams performed Blame Canada with an entire like orchestra it was behind probably it. Probably the Tonys, because. Oh right. And the other one is Repo the Genetic Opera. That is awesome. Yeah, Yes, yeah. I think my two uh the Rocky Horror Show, which obviously yes. is made to the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and Chicago. I love Chicago. I thought you were gonna say Mary uh, Poppins. Give me well, I haven't seen the Mary Poppins musical. Yeah, but I you've mean, seen the, the movie. But it but it's different. <laughs> It's, it's musical enough, but it's different. Oh, Hamilton was really good. Oh, you did like Hamilton. I did yes. like Hamilton quite a bit. I had a raging Hamilton owner, but that the entire was thing. I just not one of my I'm like when the minority on that one, I just wasn't into it. It's Hamilton. so good. I saw it live, it was phenomenal. Did you? Oh my god, Hamilton I, uh, 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 yeah. I just think In the Heights was his better musical. I mean, the Heights is also good. It's good, but I preferred. I preferred. There, there's Hamilton. something about uh, a musical about our founding fathers being performed by people of color, uh, which totally contradicts everything you know our, our history. That just you know uh, makes me so incredibly happy. The only white guy was the villain. You know, I mean, that makes sense. Just call out Mike Pence in the audience and basically they sure him did. he was an yeah, and yeah. he left. Yeah. And he left. Yep. That I have met respect for. Not days. entertained. Well, let me entertain you for a few more seconds. Yeah. I mean, if you like Lin Manuel Miranda musicals, then you'll have to watch the episode of House where they do the talent show and he does a rap with House. Oh my god! All the all the words. Well, I know what she's probably going to be watching when we wrap this up tonight. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> well, there's a whole series of there's a whole series of episodes with him. I think it's in like season six maybe when house is in the uh the asylum with andre brower yep all right you have I'll you seen too, actually so that's i have to rewatch. <laughs> have you seen um lin-manuel miranda at it was one of barack obama's it was the, the poetry slam that like poetry night that they were doing or arts night and that was when he was like hey yeah so uh, basically pitching hamilton pretty much that was just pitch yeah for hamilton. yeah he's like hey so i did in the heights and that's great but this is what i'm working on now it's about Alexander Hamilton and there's rapping involved it's so and nice. it was in everybody was laughing in the audience was just kind of like uh, okay they thought and, then, <laughs> and then after like I think it was Michelle Obama was like the first one to Stand be up, up and like yep. giving him a standing ovation you know yeah. uh so that was that was and to see that kind of like when it was in its infancy stages and then to you know see last year when it was released because that was the closest I was getting to seeing, you know, <laughs> Hamilton tickets, you know. Um, Disney Plus for six ninety nine a month. Who am I? Lorenzo de Medici? 
Oh, but yeah, I, I enjoyed that one. So, so I have a I have another one. So if you were to open up uh because you guys are uh you know, we're going to get into it a little bit more, but we have a uh we have a a nice restaurant coming to our uh our, our, our fair fair town of Salem mm-hmm. and uh, you know we talked about this uh, Kales earlier uh, on the the creator spotlight show we talked about this and we discussed some of the menu items you guys are currently running pop-ups uh, and obviously we're gonna have links to everything in the show notes and we're gonna talk about it as we get along but if you could open up a uh, like have the restaurant be in a place of horror significance where would you want to do like oh you know we're the exclusive uh restaurant that you can find in the overlook hotel or you know you know something along those lines like oh we opened up a place you know in Derry, maine you know right across the street from the standpipe you know what would be your ideal you know maybe right on on the beach on Amity Island, like where, where would you want? Is that where you were going? Um, Amity Island would be a big one, but the only thing I wouldn't do is cause I wouldn't want to compete with Alex Kintner's restaurant down there. So Voorhees, yeah. yeah, I wouldn't want to compete with him, but, uh, Derry's a good one. And also, I mean, if we're going to go overseas, um, Bathory's basement would be oh, a pretty cool restaurant. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was gonna, I was gonna say, the H.H. Holmes murder murder, <laughs> murder castle would be sweet. That would be awesome. You're thinking right there. Uh, the, the the crypt at the castle. Right? Like yeah. the literal crypt? Yeah. Not exactly. Like the catacombs of the castle. Um, I will. Uh, I, I've told this story a couple of times. I'm actually in a Jaws group on Facebook and somebody posted this no. meme. I know. <laughs> somebody posted this meme and uh, it was something about you know how Jeffrey Voorhees has this restaurant, you know, on on Martha's Vineyard, and the uh, the the woman who played his mom uh, came in one day and was like, "Oh, you look an Alex Kittner sandwich." You know, I played his, I played the mom in Jaws, and he's like, "Oh, I was, you know, Alex Kittner," and they're like, "Oh, they had a great reunion," and um, I had seen that before, and we had interviewed him, and I actually asked him about that. I said, "Is that a true story, or did?" Did you know the internet just make it up? And he's like, it's kind of true, but the real story is so much better. And <laughs> that's better. I've told a ton of people about this because uh, I want them to obviously to check out the show. But the story goes like she had been living on the island for years and like they knew each other. They knew that they were both, you know, so that she knew him, he knew her. Like they just hadn't seen each other in a while. So she comes into the restaurant with a couple of her friends and he comes up to her and starts talking about like how he, you know, believes in reincarnation and how like, you know, he's like, I think I was your son in another life. And, you know, they start talking about how like, and she's playing along with it. And everybody that's are within earshot is like, Oh, this is weird. And she's like, <laughs> Islanders. He's like, oh, my, I, I think my name was Alex. And she's like, oh, my son's name was Alex. <laughs> like, they just go on this whole thing. It's like, oh, you know, I, she goes, well, you know, he died in the ocean. There was like an accident with a shark. And he's like, I have dreams about that. You know, it's like he's going back and forth this whole time. Like, that's so awesome. And anyone who's ever met this guy can hear it. 
and like see exactly how he was like portraying it too. Just totally <laughs> fucking with everybody that was around them. Just like, like, oh man, like it. And you know, finally people started to catch on like who he is. Although some people don't know and like they'll make the pilgrimage to his restaurant and be like, will you sign my Friday the 13th stuff? <laughs> he says it's about 50-50 Jaws and Friday the 13th. That's wow. awesome. Which is like, <sighs> yeah, you know, like, you know, there's Jeffrey Voorhees, Eddie Cougar. <laughs> Mike Myers from Austin Myers. <laughs> Connie from that movie, Connie, where they dump all the pig's blood on her. <laughs> so, yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, before I uh, interrupt, uh, Anna Maria, what was your... Uh, no, she totally stole it. Bathory's, Bathory's basement would be awesome. Or um, even like the catacombs in Rome mm. would be pretty that awesome. Pretty cool. The crypt at the Colosseum. Yeah. That's sweet. I know, right? Someday. 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 Someday we will just take over all these ancient ruins and put a restaurant in them. Someday. <laughs> hey, you know what? It's better than putting a McDonald's there. No, it, you know what it is? It's like all these like, old stadiums, like these old stadiums, and it's like, oh, Pepsi presents the Yankees. You know, like, <laughs> you know, like Heinz Field is, is Pittsburgh now instead of being like, yeah, I forget what Cincinnati is, but it's used like Three Rivers Stadium. It's like, yeah, it's not Three Rivers Stadium. It's, you know, something else. Like, Foxborough Stadium is now Gillette Stadium. It's like, oh, because when you think of football players, make sure you shave. Like, what? Those things don't That's go like, what did they change the Boston Opera House to? Like, the Citizens Bank. Yep. Boston Opera House, something, something, something. And yeah, everything has a corporate sponsor. You know, the one that I'm really glad doesn't is Fenway. Like, Fenway is still Park. It's not like, you know, Al Sausage presents. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> Sam Adams presents Fenway Park. Yeah, right. I mean, if there were to be, if there, and this is probably a better question for the sports show, but if there were to be a corporate sponsor for Fenway, like, what would you want it to be? I mean, like, what's a Boston business like? Yes. This is your cousin from Boston. We do Pat. love those commercials. <laughs> that would be it. Yeah. I, I think it would have to be Dunkin's. It would have to oh, be yeah. Dunkin' Donuts. Dunkin's baseball yeah. pack. <laughs> Red Sox run on Dunkin's. <laughs> kid. Yeah, I gotta have kid. Okay, anyway. All right, what's your next question? Uh, so I want to talk about food. Oh, and I want to know what are some of your ultimate comfort foods? Who's going first? I'm not. I'm gonna go. She makes this thing in the fall that <laughs> I have called. Yeah, that I have called squashage, and basically <laughs> she halves an acorn squash and fills it with this like sweet sausage apple mixture, and it's like as soon as it hits a certain temperature, I look at her and I say, "Can we have squashage for dinner?" It's like my favorite thing. It's like I will go run to put my jammies on to eat this. <laughs> And like put the fireplace on, just yeah, to, yeah for squashage. Okay, squashage it is. <laughs> um, for me, oh, I love food. Um, <laughs> I do, I do. You love food. My favorite, my I think my comfort though is like my solid bolognese sauce it's and my pretty, meatballs. It is pretty damn good. Yeah, we just had my red sauce tonight, and it's just <laughs> like it hits like a certain like that that moment of like 
your it's home. home for you. Yeah. Mm. I get it. I totally get it. You know, food mm. is one of those things that, you know, it's like, you know, they based a whole fucking rat movie about it. Like, rat, <laughs> like the whole thing of Ratatouille is about this guy, like being transported back to his childhood when he eats. I don't even know what it is. It looks like Necco wafers soaked in like sauce or so something. It's, yeah, it's it's a lot of root vegetables. Mm-hmm. So it's like squash and mm-hmm. uh, and carrots and sometimes tomato, eggplant. Oh, okay. um, you know, sometimes potato, depending on where you are. But uh, in like a, a red sauce. It looked like melted uh, poker it, chips. So <laughs> it's known as a poor. It's a poor person's dish. Oh, it's like hobo because it's stew. something that you can, you can, you know, limit like very few ingredients, uh, but you can make a lot of. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, and you can feed a lot of people off it's, of that. It's hobo stew or mulligan stew, depending right. on your, like, your you know, location. I'm something like that. Well, you American know? chop suey is different because that's just like hamburger and, and elbow macaroni. Right, but, like, but, but, it's, but it's something that you can make for cheap. Hobo stew is like, let's see what's in the fridge. And like, <laughs> and let's play talk. Yeah, <laughs> I got some yeah. audio. Hold on. Uh-oh, the last audio. Let me oh no. Figure out a thing. The TIE fighter is down. Oh no. Give me uh get your uh block like the the block for your charger. Okay. <laughs> Please. This is a perfect opportunity. I don't have one. one. So I can uh charge this. So I don't know. Uh, I can't hear you guys, but I'm sure the uh, the thing is still picking it up. So. Uh, oh, good. I'm sure they heard her say that she's gonna go crack open a bottle of wine. <laughs> I'm trying to. Because I haven't charged this in a long time, and it needs to be charged. Funny how that works. You know, all our stuff needs to be charged. Isn't that weird? <laughs> uh, so ashes to go grab a charging block. So that I can plug this USB into it. See, I got your charging Thank you. block and my charging block. <laughs> Hurry up, you. I'm coming, I'm coming. And there we are we back. There we go. We're back at it. Yeah. So do you want to write down the time so you can do some editing? I may not need to because I talked through the whole thing. But uh, so I'm going to. Should you write to... down the signs? Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if uh, we we picked up what you guys were saying. Probably, but the whole thing was, you know, our our speaker went out because I haven't charged it, and you need to charge electronics. It turns out you do. That's what they say anyway. But it's all good now. It's charging. It's plugged in. I just it has a very short cord, and the cord is a dual. Um, headphone jack so i can plug it into the mixer but i don't have uh a usb port like i can't plug it into the computer because the computer's too far away so you we, have a port like that that's <laughs> my computer cord. yeah your computer cord <laughs> we, uh you asked the question we yes. got the ratatouille thing yep and yes. so all right so final question no 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 <laughs> Oh, I asked two. Yeah. 
Okay, never mind. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> I have so many questions. And you asked the Ratatouille question. So if you could... Uh, I'm trying to figure out how I want to word this. If you could remake any film and put yourself in the lead role, what would it be? Oh, that's a good question. I think I would know what yours would be. Look, I don't know if you do. Really? That's a good one. I mean, you're just as batshit crazy as Feruza Bulk sometimes. Watch yourself, because so. now you're going to sleep on the couch. No. <laughs> yeah, she says that to me sometimes, and it's like, who's putting me there? <laughs> I don't even struggle. Put, I'll just lay there. You put me there, though. Yeah, yeah okay. You know the one that falls asleep on the couch. Every I know. Night I, anyway. I love my couch, to be honest. No, um, couch is nice. need a minute, because I, I have No, one. I think I have a pretty good All idea. right, you can go first. To Jaws. <laughs> would I would want to be so Martin Brody. I would be the shack. <laughs> you would be perfect. Okay. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm torn between two. Okay, well, what's the two? The first one would be the crow. Mm. Oh, that's, I mean, a, that's a good. That's a, that's a good one. That's a, that. It's a classic. I, so you'd, you'd be you'd be uh, uh, you'd be Ernie Hudson then, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I want to be a cop. You fit the part. Yeah, I could. I could totally pull it off. Or the mummy with Brendan Fraser. Oh, good point too. Oh, yeah. Would you want to be Imhotep or no. not Suna Moon? No. Evie. Exactly. Don't take you... that fantasy away from me. Please. Shut up. <laughs> I would absolutely be Evie. I think the crow has one of the funniest, uh, the funniest lines ever. Okay. Hey, like impressions. Here's one. Caw, caw, bang, fuck, I'm dead. <laughs> I love that one. so good. It's so good. That whole movie is just, oh, I could I could go for you hours about that movie. A while ago. Mm. Uh, what about you? Oh, if I could? Other than Mary Poppins, what would it be? <laughs> I would there's be George a, Banks. There's a lot. There's a lot. Um, this is difficult. Why are you putting me on the spot like this? Because that's what the show is all about. <laughs> You're terrible. Um, uh, uh, I would be Quentin Jazz. Oh, um, actually, know who I would love to play opposite of? Whom? Stuart Townsend as Lestat in Queen of <laughs> Good pick! Good pick! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I, I don't know if I would want to be um uh was it is that Kasha? Kasha, yeah. I don't know if I actually no, I Andre would probably want to be her solely for that bath scene. I'd be the bathtub. <laughs> See, I would I would I since you said Jaws, I have to pick something else because <laughs> If I could, well, wouldn't you want to be Quint though? Oh, I said, like, Quint. I, I, I kind of want to be Quint. Like, <laughs> I wake up every day longing to be Quint. Jaws, but because she said Jaws, I want to pick something else. And I think I would be so good. And I think it's the part I was born to play <laughs> Hannibal Lecter in Silence yeah. of the Lambs. That was my second choice <laughs> because I wouldn't be able to take you seriously. I would, I would, I would do a voice. <laughs> like, I would definitely do up voice. Uh, like I would, you know, 
uh, you know, maybe make him Australian. Oh, I is living with some fava beans, mate. <laughs> doesn't have the same <laughs> for lack of a better term. I mean, that, that's a difficult question, though, because there are so maybe many great it, parts and like, great with films a Cockney that, accent. you know, I would love to insert myself in. So, mm-hmm. but but I, I will I will stick with that for right now. Okay. I mean, that's fair. Solid choice. I mean, maybe I would do uh, uh, replace Keanu Reeves as uh, Jonathan Harker in Bram Stoker's Dracula. Mm-hmm. Bram Stroke me as Dracula? I don't think he was. <laughs> He was that good in it. Uh, like he's better now that he's older. He's a much better actor. Oh, he's great now. Like we're I talking about Babes in Toyland era oh Keanu Reeves. Like not. Oh my god, I forgot that existed. <laughs> <laughs> Probably yeah, no, in, in Drew Barrymore. Yes. It's a uh, such a shitty movie. It's so bad. I haven't seen it. So so shitty is great. Yeah, no, not that one. <laughs> so you guys have uh, successfully navigated the gauntlet of uh, of our uh, getting into character questions. So love it. What we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we are going to discuss uh, the three Fear Street films of the anthology. Which I like the fact that they did this, uh, mm-hmm. but we'll get into it a little more. Uh, after we take a quick break. So we'll be right back. Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. Shark Bites, Shark Bites Podcast, it's the greatest show in history. From the Dorkning Network, hosted by a nerd who's named Patsy. From movie reviews to tips on surviving the coronavirus, Shark Bites has it all. Follow us on Facebook and suggest topics at sharkbitespod at gmail.com. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Shady side. But now, that's all gone. Oh man, I turn the around with the skeleton hand, yeah. Hello? Still alive. Who is this? It's happening again. Tonight is Sunnyvale versus Shadyside. Red versus blue, good versus evil. We commence a Kate Color Are you okay? 
being the trailer for the uh, fear street series so i hope you guys enjoyed that uh because yeah this series um i like the way they released this they released it as three uh interconnected films as opposed to releasing it like as a series so what was supposed to happen was this was a project that had been in the works for a while and uh it just didn't come to fruition and apparently disney had it at some point yeah i know i see the face you're making Um, it's just uh it's just a little too uh it's just a little too much for Disney. Mm-hmm. I know that they've they've gone into a little bit of darker stuff with some. The of Incredibles models. has a higher death count I'm, than all I the jobs. <laughs> relaying what I read. We got Marvel zombies coming in a few weeks. I know. I'm just saying what I say. It's just a little too much for Disney. Uh, so mm. now, um, well, and apparently it was also supposed to be released in theaters. Oh, pandemic. They were saying, okay, well, maybe we'll release this in theaters and maybe release them um, a month or two apart from each other. Oh, and obviously the pandemic happened and they were like, okay, well, we're sitting on this. What are we going to do? And Netflix is like, well, I'll pick it up. We need to, you know, we need to do something while everybody waits for Stranger well, I mean, Things for I mean, yes. no kidding. Yes. There's that. Not only does it involve, you know, some. Uh, alum from Stranger Things. But, you know, it definitely kind of has that feel to it. But, you know, watching Mm -hmm. it, I'm like, this is something that is so Netflix. Like, something like this is perfect for Netflix. So they released it in July, a week, you know, each installment a week apart from each other. And I thought that was brilliant (laughs) because, you know, now you still have some pre-pandemic stuff coming out, but most of that stuff has already been released because they scrambled to release it to have something, you know, 
during the, you know, to release during the pandemic. So, you know, now places are scrambling to, okay, well, it's, it's, I mean, it's still, I don't want to say post pandemic because we're kind of not there it's, yet, it's but you know, not going to be post pandemic for a long to, time. Um, <laughs> this is true, but See, I mean, like, look knows. at how black widow to come out, you know, and, and oh. they're trying to find a good fit for some of these things. So I think that this, the Fear Street series finding a home at Netflix and being released the way that it was, uh, in the time that it was, I thought it was just perfect. You know, yeah. this this summer horror series. Like this yeah. could have been three seasons of like six episodes each. Like so, this and could have been like eighteen what I to twenty total episodes. Was absolutely brilliant is the fact that they still left it open ended enough mm-hmm. to where uh, there could be more. Like yes. This could be. A I thing. hope there is. Right. There is. <laughs> Every summer, Netflix could release a couple more well, films of this Fear Street series. Oh Maybe, you know, uh, tying in different stories. And well, stuff. from what I understand, is they're they're trying to make this almost like a cinematic universe because this particular story didn't focus on any one book or any you know one like it was like some like cheerleader books yeah so uh, they were good too (laughs) yeah yeah so i once upon a time like i used to uh i read goosebumps and then i read the fear street series and when the fear street series just wasn't cutting it for me anymore i moved on to stephen king i went right to king like because goosebumps and like like this stuff came well, out. I mean, like, but there's a there's a generation, not a generation gap. There's, there's a significant age gap between the two right. of us. Like that's so, what I'm saying. Like it didn't, you know, because we talk about this a lot when we talk about like TV shows and stuff. Because there are shows that you watched that like I didn't watch because they were, you know, they were at the time like I was too old for them. Like the same with these books. Like I had been reading Stephen King since the early '90s, so I'm not going to take a step back. Right. Like, oh, this isn't quite the same. It's like, yeah. Okay. Well, they were good books. Oh, I'm sure. Like I, oh, I yeah, they really were. <laughs> Long story short, they were good books. So my first question uh, to our guests is, what kind of drew you to watching this series? Uh for me. I mean, Goosebumps was my life as a kid. So I'm, again, a little younger than I'm probably, I think I'm the youngest person in the room. Um, So I was an advanced reader as a kid. And in first grade, my teacher, who I'm still friends with to this day, (laughs) brought me a huge box of Goosebumps books um, that were her daughters. And I just fell in love with them. And then obviously, as I got a little older, I read the Fear Street books. So for me, anything that's got like R.L. Stein's name on it, I was going to watch. Uh, but then watching the trailer, I was like, this isn't as teen focused mm-hmm. as I thought it was going to be. And I was like, let's give this a shot. We did wait until all three were out. We and I'm kind of glad we did. Because mm-hmm. after every single one, we were like, oh, we're going to stay up and watch the next one. I wouldn't have been able to wait if we wait, like yeah. watched when they came out. Yeah. I think also... Um, I did not read the Fear Street books. Um, and I also did not read Goosebumps because I think I, I am a little older than you, but not by much. Um, <laughs> but um, like significantly younger than me, <laughs> <laughs> but enough where there's that gap. Um, and what drew me to this though was how similar 
it felt to Stranger Things, which mm. I think it's it's that era that I was like, oh, 1994, all right, like, like that nostalgia piece mm -hmm. of it. We'd also just finished binging um, Eerie Indiana. Um, uh, was um, oh my god, why am I blanking on it? What um, are you afraid of the dark? Are you afraid of the dark? And we've been watching a lot of that, so like. I, I wanted more and we finished everything and I'm like, this is exactly what we need. I can stay in 1994 a little bit longer. Um, so I think that's kind of what drew me in. It felt very, that nostalgia for sure mm -hmm. made me want to watch it. And I love from the get go, you obviously know it's going to have that supernatural feel to it. And that's what I love about horror movies is the supernatural feel of all of that. Um, versus I know you're not a huge fan of, the supernatural stuff, but that totally drew me into. See, we were watching this and, you know, for us, or at least for me, I was like, oh, this looks good. You know, people have been talking about it. There have been mixed reviews. Like, it looks like it's pretty well done. There's three of these, so we can, you know, there's a, a whole long story being told. Mm -hmm. I like it. I also, uh, it's funny, when we were watching the first one and uh, Nick Good shows up the first time, and we both thought he was a different person. She's like, "Oh, I think that's Fred Savage." And I'm like, <laughs> "Fred Savage." I'm like, "I don't it know who delighting. that is." And then I look it up. I'm like, yeah. "Oh, it's Ashley Zuckerman." She goes, "Hey, I think that's the guy from The Office." No, that's Ashley Zuckerman. <laughs> She's like, "Oh, but it looks like." I'm like, "But I just told you that's who it is." I'm like. It looks like if BJ Novak and Fred Savage had a kid. That's exactly it, what he looks like. It yes. would be, it would be <laughs> Ashley Zuckerman. So I'm like, I get where you're coming from. But like, yeah, it it definitely, because you look at him and you're like, who the hell is that? You're no, like, he has that very. Like if you yeah. look at, say, yeah. Wyatt Russell in uh, Overlord and you Ooh. don't know who he is, you're like, oh my God, like. It's like Kurt Russell and somebody else with a kid. So I know for for me, and again, we were kind of talking off air about this. Um, you know, there's a, a the horror community is kind of up in arms, you know, divided amongst this series. And most of the horror fans uh, who do like this like the second and third one better than the first installment. Yeah. Now, I actually really like the first installment. I That's too. my favorite. And I think it's because uh, it's the, not only the nostalgia factor, but I have a special place in my heart for camp. And that is a very campy movie. Mm -hmm. And for me, um, when I really got into horror was the 90s. And my first horror film that I actually saw was Scream. So, you know, there was a lot of homages to that, you know, a lot of things just kind of like hearkening back to, uh, you know, like Scream and I Know What You Did Last Summer oh, and the fact that you know, all these, these films that uh, just kind of was my like, like my horror awakening, you know, so I, I don't know, I, I really enjoyed the first one. And I think it did a really good job of introducing these characters and making us care about these characters, care enough to where we want to watch these characters through these next two mm -hmm. installments and see, you know, everything to the end. Yes. Yeah. I was interested, you know, because I didn't know how they connected. I didn't watch any trailers or anything like that. I was just like, okay, let's watch this. So, 
you know, as the first one kind of wraps up and it's like, well, how, why is it going back in time? Like, how are these, you know, character, like, what's the connection to the, so it's basically like one long film. If you look at it that way. Yeah. And the only real issue I had with this movie and it drove me out of my fucking mind. And I told her the same thing. Nobody knows how to resuscitate someone. <laughs> like, all right, we have, we have all these, we have all these epipens because we're planning on her having an overdose, mm-hmm. and this is how you treat an overdose. And she drowns instead. Yeah. And it's like, oh. Better try the EpiPens. No, you dipshit. Use the water out of her goddamn water out of her lungs. And then the second one. Oh, you've been stabbed repeatedly. Let's try some CPR. Why? (laughs) You're allowed. That's a fair point. (laughs) That drove me nuts. I will say. Going back to the first one, to 1994, which I see you have 1994 steps on your phone there. Uh, I think you did that on purpose. <laughs> but that had the best kill of the entire series. The bread slicer? The bread slicer. Yes. So good. I'm it's like, that bitch is going to be a salami. Because apparently the art department was like, hey, there's no way that could actually happen. I think you need to come up with a different kill. And the director, she was like, well, uh, no. The director this said, we're going to resuscitate a drowning victim with up. six EpiPens. Shut up. Shut up. It was adamant about it, you know, being the, the, the bread slicer and stuff. So they took a watermelon. And they're like, okay, well, if, if we can get this watermelon through the bread slicer, because the watermelon, you know, uh, it, it's very... Right. Um, and the watermelon went through well with certain well don't give me that brain uh, skulls are a little stronger than melon rinds well from a art department from a practical effects point right yes uh you know and they're like let's so they they pushed a watermelon through the bread slicer and they're like okay well seeing as we can do this here like obviously we'll be able to to do it. I thought that was fantastic. No, it was great. It was visually great. I, I mean, think like, that was the best I was, one. I was really sad that she died. Yes. yes. Honestly, there weren't Rewald. most of the characters in the first one that ended up dead was a bummer to me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Only like, again because they did a really good job of making you care about this. Yeah, absolutely. What I, were you gonna I say? I was gonna say the only other issue I had with the movie. The thing that really bothered me throughout all three films, they never, nobody got the fucking BMW out of the woods. They just left it there. <laughs> it was there for weeks. Priority. was just going to buy him another one. Priorities. But it's like, it's like I oh, you ruined my car. I, I, go, I said that. I was like, hey, you like how the car's still in the woods? There's no like, crime scene tape or anything. I actually said that to you last night or whatever. Yeah. We Nobody tried to tow it out of there. They're just like, nope. oh, this is... This lives here now. now. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? Why is this part of the forest? I will say, though, I was very proud of this one. We're watching the third one, and they kept talking about Sarah Beer, and she goes, oh, 
Fear Street. <laughs> Did you not see the 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 sign that <laughs> in the okay. first episode? F I E R Fear Street. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I'm sorry, I'm so smart. Okay. <laughs> 16 hours I'm sorry that you cannot handle my brand of genius. Fear Street, that's like the name of the thing. I had the thing where they say the name of the movie in the movie. <laughs> These drug dealers represent a clear and present danger. I get it. <laughs> So let's talk about some of these characters and we yes. can go through the evolution of these characters film by film. I want to start with the first character to whom we are introduced because of all the characters in this movie, she's the only one with a name that I recognize. Maya Hawk as Heather. Well, but, but she's only in the first film for like and that's five what minutes. I'm, yeah. But that's what was so brilliant about it was they kind of gave her the drew barrymore scream yes the psycho yes. by making it seem like because they showed her a lot in the trailer mm -hmm. making mm -hmm. it seem like she was the lead character and then killing her off in the first couple minutes which i thought Steven was a great Seagal. psycho and scream little like, play. like steven seagal in executive decision <laughs> steven seagal. sure well he got blown out of the air hatch and i was like the first time i saw i think this came out in like 93 94 and i'm watching it and i'm like Wonder if he's gonna come back. Like, because <laughs> it was a Seagal. All right, so it's Steven Seagal. Kurt Steven Russell. Steven Seagal is now Steven Siegel. Uh Kurt Russell was in this. John Leguizamo. John Leguizamo was playing oh. like this badass SWAT guy. It's like, wait a minute. Aren't you the guy from House of Buggin? Like John Leguizamo from Mario Brothers. Either that or uh John Wick. I mean, he's also good in spawn. He is good at smiling. I once sold a Bose radio to his mom. <laughs> Small world. <laughs> How did you know it was his mother? Because did her, you ask him? Her last name was Leguizamo. And I was like, oh, any relationship? She goes, yeah, that's my son. Just ask. Yeah. So I, I asked, and she's like, yeah, that's my son. So I sold a Bose radio to John Leguizamo's mom. That's awesome. I'm like, I hope he's paying for this. <laughs> now it's with her weekly allowance. But yeah, so uh, before we get on a John Leguizamo kick, because <laughs> that's not what we're talking about. So most of these folks I had never seen. Actually, I don't think I've ever seen any of them. So we have Kiana Madeira as Dina, Olivia Scott Welch as Samantha. Uh, Benjamin Flores Jr. is Josh, who I really liked. I think he was my favorite character. Loved that character. Yeah. I loved that character. Uh, Julia Rewald as Kate. Maya Hawk as Heather. Uh, Charlene Amoya as Rachel. Uh, David uh, David W. Thompson as Ryan. But Noah Bain Garrett played the Skull Mask, which I thought was weird. I think they uh, the second one too. That the axe killer is actually like two different. Ah. Yeah. Uh, they yeah they had different uh, like a stunt actor. Oh, yeah there. yeah. Uh, we had Daryl Britt Gibson as Martin, Ashley Zuckerman as Nick Good, and uh, Fred Heshinger as Simon. Let's see. Is there anybody else that's named? Simon was great. 
The Matthew say, Zook. If you just recently watched the wow. White Lotus series on HBO, that's where he was. This is interesting. So Ashley Zuckerman, spelled Z-U-K-E-R-M-A-N, was Nick Good. And Matthew Zook, Z-U-K, like they forgot the ermine at the end, <laughs> was his brother. Oh, that's weird. Like that's it's a weird like it's like my name is you know Joe Johnson and this is the guy who plays my brother Brian John. (laughs) It's it's uh, interesting. He kind of looks like if French Stewart and and like Niles. What's his name? David Hyde Pierce had a kid. I see it. I see it in the forehead and the eye. Well, those are the, those are the characters. And, you know, obviously the first few we get to see throughout. So the characters of Dina and Sam, those are our two main characters. And I have thoughts and feelings about these characters. I'm feeling that our guests have thoughts and feelings about these characters. So I'm going to throw it over to our guests as to what did you feel about these characters? Like how they were introduced, um, especially in that, that, that the first film, um, you know, the way that their relationship was presented mm-hmm. and how they weren't, you know, and this is one of the things that I love, how they weren't your typical token gay character. Absolutely. We have that written down. <laughs> um, what I love too is that you got a chance to care about Dina's character before you had any idea. Like they made it, they made a, a good job. I mean, A, by change, like choosing the unisex name yeah. for Sam, but as she's walking through high school, you don't know who she's looking at when they're all making out against the lockers. Mm-hmm. Same thing at the football game. You don't know it's Sam until Sam shows up. Right. So but I thought that was a football that was player. Yeah. Yep. And that's well, what we yeah, all what we both thought. Right. And then she showed and we both went, oh. Yay! But what I liked is, for me, I mean, Dina reminded me very much of, like, myself in high school where you're, like, almost <laughs> at that mix of, like, that femme butch out thing where you don't really know who you are. And like, cause she said, she was like, did it bother you? They, they had like two femme girls mm-hmm. kind of. And I said, no, because like they didn't. And if you right. think of like how things are in high school, it really wasn't at all. Um, but Dina, I mean, to me too, is just like what these two women were was so great as when you look at and see, you know, other women in films that they always say, they turn to the man and say, what do we do now? Yes. These two that never happened. Never I mean, that. like absolutely like, yes. the entire time they were strong characters. Um they were the ones that were like when the guys were like, What do we do? And they were like, This is what we're gonna do. Mm-hmm. And I liked that little that little flip. And I think they did that really with a lot of the characters throughout Agreed. the trilogy. Agreed. Um, I'm gonna go kill my dog real quick. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm that gonna piggyback off of that yeah. anyway. Um because I I I came out very early, very late in life. So like I feel like had we seen more of this on television, I will. I feel like I would have come up earlier because we don't get to see this dynamic very often. Um, I see the huge bug. Um, and I, okay, it, it's a bumble. You can leave it alone. All right, cool. Um, but I feel like we we need to see that, and and I think we're so indoctrinated in thinking it's going to be like. You know, a, a traditional normal couple, blah 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 blah, because of that ambiguity that comes with just that name of Sam, mm-hmm. and we're so conditioned to just have that thought, and then they flip it on you, and that was just such a great moment to have that. Um, 
But what I will really love too about it is like you think about it, this is set in 1994. Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem like it was that long ago, but it, in reality, it actually was. And the fact that Sam's brother and friends, to them, it was just who she was. It wasn't a discussion. There was no discussion ever of it. It was just, this is the way it is. These two are in a relationship. And that's how it should be in movies. Like, it doesn't need to be this whole coming out thing. Right. It doesn't need to be all this stuff. Like, There's no explanation. I, yeah, exactly. So I like that they did that. And they went, like, balls to the wall with it, too. Like, they didn't mm -hmm. hold back at all. No, and I think that was a bug. This, yeah. There's a little bumblebee flying around. <laughs> um, I also think that's really important, though. Like, the the level of PDA that you see, I, I mean, and again, there's a whole community that's torn on this topic. It's too much PDA. It's not enough, whatever. Um, but I think it's important to see that. Like, Yeah, this is a movie this, that as a teenager, I wish, you know. Was, I was out that so that we could have yeah. had that kind mm -hmm. of visualization instead of kind of traditionally either saw or um, I don't know. I, I felt like it was really important to have all those aspects really up front and center. This is, this is, if this was any other horror movie and it was a man and female relationship, that would be very present. So why wouldn't it with, exactly. with a female, female relationship? Yeah. And I think like they did a good job, you know, because of the time period. Mm -hmm. And obviously I have a different uh, perspective than everyone else, uh, on the show because I'm the only guy here <laughs> based on how certain people acted like Sam's mother. Yeah. The <laughs> fact that, you know, like what, what Kale said about like, you know, they're more of like the feminine girls. They also didn't want to make things seem too obvious. Right. right. Ostracized by the, you know, uh, by the, the you know the 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 sunny side or sunnyvale whatever the hell yeah. the, the, that that community mm -hmm. because that one seemed like very much right-wing conservative republican mm -hmm. you know, uh, but you have you know and i think at the same time like 1994 like if you know you know dina had showed up like you know with a flannel on and ripped jeans and you know <laughs> doc martens she wouldn't have looked out of place Right. Also, yeah, because she did wear Doc Martens she at did. one point. We, know, yeah. we actually were like, "Hey, Doc Martens," because obviously. <laughs> but like, you know, she's not showing up with like, you know, this, you know, super short haircut where it's like, right, exactly, you know, where you know, basically wearing a sign of, "Hey, look at me, I'm a lesbian." Like, <laughs> you know, like I don't think that's necessary in a movie. Yeah, um, no, I agree completely, and like that's why, like, even Jesus, last this freaking bug, um, <laughs> even last year when like that Christmas movie came out, oh, yeah. and my friend's boyfriend was like, "I don't want to watch like the gay Christmas movie," and we were all like, "They did no, 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 like that's not what it is." And then it's he watched Christmas it, movie. and he was like, "Oh, okay, I get it." Yeah. So like, I think that's a film like this really goes in that direction where it's like we don't need to introduce them as gay characters; we're just introducing them as characters, right? With and like, and you already give a shit about them before you get to yeah to that part, right? Right, and it's not even like 
I mean, because you're already feeling for Dina because you know that she's up, everyone knows what Frank right. Was. You already just got your heart shattered, and right, you know, she's referencing this box of stuff that she has. Dear Sam, I hate you. Dear Sam, I right. wish I never met yeah, you. Like, yeah, tape, and I mean, let's face it: if you were a child in the '90s, you are a friend of the mixtape. You know, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, and not only did it have that intense nostalgia factor, but um, like you said, it just kind of it made you care about these characters before really introducing these characters. Yeah. And at that point, it was just kind of like a oh, it's not like a hey, we're gay. It's just yeah, like literally just like a, oh, hey, oh yeah, that's a nice this is my girlfriend, or at least she was my girlfriend, and my heart's crushed, and I'm dealing with things the best that I can. You know, and it's just you get to the point where it's just like oh i've been there i can come i mean like i you know I, I can't you know commiserate with the you know i i i've never had a girlfriend but i've had my heart crushed yeah you know and, and so and then you just you just automatically right off the bat care for these characters mm -hmm. and then you root for these characters yes you know you find yeah. yourself rooting for their relationship without really knowing much and it's just the, the fact that they're gay is kind of irreverent at that point right right you know mm -hmm. like it just it just it just doesn't it doesn't matter and that's what i kind of loved about this series um it gives you that gay representation that is so needed. And let's face it, back in 1994, it really didn't have that. No. Nope. Totally gay. The hey, I'm gay and I'm gonna get murdered soon because exactly. I'm very flamboyant. You know, yeah. to uh, a more uh, just I would say natural gay. Uh, you know, um, and it's just like part of their presence. It's like, oh, you know, these guys are the drug dealers. Like. You know this guy. You know uh, the the kid there. Um, what's his name? And I love the way it was like I was rooting for the drug dealers too. Oh, kids sound like they're Josh is the children. computer nerd hanging out but on AOL, right? Uh, it's wow. just it really made you feel for these kids yeah. without uh, giving you too much exposition, um, but enough backstory about them where you really cared for their well being and where the story was heading. Yeah. yeah, and you can also tell that this wasn't like just it's like oh you know I'm I'm experimenting but you know this isn't who I am and it's like no, no that, and that's what I like too is like even though they introduced that she was with a guy at the time that it was that wasn't like a typical teenage especially like sitcom world you know just a girl for two episodes for ratings and then it's like oh blah 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 it was a fluke. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just, you know, uh, because of where they live and, you know, she's a cheerleader. He's, a, you know, uh, the football guy. Mm -hmm. So they have and, you know, he's clearly rich and he's a fucking tool. Well, I mean, not only yeah, such an guy, you know, it stems from. Uh, so she seems to have a parent who is very supportive of her life choices. Mm -hmm. And well, I wish we got to see the dad. That's one thing I kind of wish we got to see. Was right. Which yeah. leads me to think that there's going to be more of this. I do. I agree. But you know, and then you see, obviously you see Sam's mother, who is quite the opposite, very unsupportive. You know, my daughter's just going through a phase. Don't ever talk to her. Again. It's not her. You interrupted right. her. Yeah. Don't ever talk to her again. Yeah, as if that's going to do anything. Like, and you all get that like little fake out at the end where it's like, oh, do I get to see you tomorrow? And she's just like, no, 
Let's see tonight. Yeah, right? <laughs> oh, and I'm looking over the uh, the the character lists of the second uh, and third movies. Uh, we have Sadie Sink, obviously, who was uh, in uh, what the hell is that? Stranger, Stranger Things. Things. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Randy Havens, who seems to be anytime one of these kids is in something he was the science teacher huh so it seems like anytime when because he was in godzilla king of the monsters so every time somebody, every time one of the kids that's who did he play in i'm history? pulling it up right now george fear oh my god didn't even now i can see him exactly without the hair yeah he's a science teacher from stranger things yep oh yeah <laughs> oh mine there right there so I really like the way how they maintained the main characters throughout all of this and brought you through three different stories. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, so like that first story is them establ- establishing that there's this, um, you know, weird, um, you know, like a ghost-like thing mm-hmm. in shady side and you know it's causing people to murder people and uh you know and then it's established that well it's a it's a witch thing like yeah, it's, it's just curse it's not just bad yeah um and another thing too kind of a side note i really like how female centric everything is in this yes, this yes absolutely girl power kind of to the max no it really was like a girl power um, movie absolutely uh, your your heroines are obviously female, um, brought about by a quote witch's curse, which we find a little more about later. Right. Um, you know, and then obviously it goes into the whole backstory, a very Salem witch trials esque, yes. and you know all of the the lore and the history that involve that is involved with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really loved how like girl power female centric the series yeah. was as well you know there weren't really any damsels in distress we wrote that down <laughs> from some of these horror you know um i'm in love with the final girl trope i love that trope so much and i love the way that, that trope has evolved from this like i'm a damsel in distress to being a badass bad. oh yeah right. um you know but i would never make it on my own and i just happen to survive with the help of my male counterpart right to you know this film series where your your leads are two females they're in a relationship together and neither of them are a damsel in distress mm-hmm. yeah there again looking at it from a different point of view because i understand this was also directed by a woman so yep. they were in distress and they needed help from their male counterparts but essentially what their male counterparts did was distract and absorb the Bye. brunt of the uh the killers mm-hmm. you know like they were basically the bullet sponges the human shields um so they did you know but through their unintentional sacrifices uh allow them especially in the first movie where you know mm-hmm. everybody gets killed except for uh her brother there mm-hmm. everybody gets killed while distracting them 
you know, and it's got a couple of the, uh, you know, the, the, the classic horror tropes, you know, obviously you have the unstoppable villains, but you have the, Oh, I'm going to get you. Oh no, but my ax is stuck in giving you a chance to get away mm-hmm. and like, you know, giving you just enough time to escape. And, um, you know, and then you get the, you know, like with, um, what's her name? Uh, what the hell was her name? Kate, when you think she's going to get away and you think she's going to fight away and then just ram right through the bread slicer. Oh. It's like, yeah, I kind of wanted her to live, but like, yep. <laughs> fun. Like her face is covered with cake as she gets rammed through. So it's like, yeah, right. um, and you know, they were, they were in a bit of distress, like they, and they needed all of these things to happen in order for her to, uh, you know, successfully complete the plan. Right, but there's a difference but it's between not, yeah. being it's I'm like, a oh, person in distress me. and the damsel in distress trope. And the one character who I, I thought was going to end up being that role in the second one, which was Ziggy's sister, Cindy, had that moment of weakness and then straight up was like, no, nope, like, forget, I, this. I'm forget it. Strong. Like, I'm going to be a badass. And like, that's what I liked. It wasn't just, you know, Dina and Sam, it was every basically almost every female that yeah. they introduced throughout the trilogy was a strong, badass female character. Right. It's funny because, you know, Kaylee, Kaylee makes fun of me because I only like I like horror movies where the bad guy loses. Yeah. <laughs> but you only like happy endings. Not that I only like happy endings. It's important to know as a female that we can fight our own battles, that we can fight that we can at the end be winners and we can fight the darkness. We can fight those things because those are the things that we always lose to in every other freaking movie. Mm. And every, and then if you obviously look at it, (laughs) we lose at it at various other levels too, right? If you really step back and look at it. Um, But it's like, you had this moment where it's like, you have to know that you can fight the badness. And we, and we had that with these women and you never doubted them. Like, yeah, you, I'm like, at some point you were like, they're not gonna make it. They're not gonna make it through this movie. Like, how are you gonna make it? But they, but they did because they that went against so the the status quo. Right. But was, they would. Really. They just followed their instincts. You've got to follow. You got. You got to keep fighting. Like even with Ziggy, um, I mean, she literally a died. But B, I mean, the amount of stab wounds that poor girl had, mm-hmm. what she had to endure, and she still never gave up. Well, it also fights against that trope that girls women are supposed to hate each other we're not supposed mm-hmm. to get along we're not supposed to team up we're yes. supposed to be jealous of each other we're supposed mm-hmm. to be enemies um you know and i noticed that most of the women in this who team up so obviously you know you have dina and sam um obviously ziggy makes it makes it out of the second film alive and becomes um kind of like a mentor to and Sam later on, you know, this is what I went through. This is uh, what happened, you know, and then they all come to the conclusion that this is what needs to happen, which leads to the third film. You know, this is what needs to happen uh, in order to, you know, defeat the curse or what have you. Um, You know, it kind of really flops on that trope too. Mm -hmm. I, uh, somebody posted on the interwebs because obviously they would, um, you know, about like, Oh, like women are supposed to hate each other. Women, you know, like, I think it was like a meme that says, what are, what's 
one common misconception or like what is one um thing you know about women that holds true and it's like oh well you all hate each other and it's like uh, well uh, actually it was me anything um you know it's girl power and we are more effective in numbers yes Mm -hmm. I loved the fact that it kind of went against, you know, not only is it going against, you know, so many other tropes at the same time, but kind of mm-hmm. going against the trope that, you know, these women and, and they're all women from different age groups, different yep. backgrounds, yep. different um, cliques, you know, yep. what have you when it comes to the, the high school stuff. Uh, and they, they band together, they come together in order to defeat this greater evil that is haunting mm-hmm. Uh, shady, shady brook, brook. Shady, side. shady side shady side i, I don't know something um <laughs> i just thought that was fantastic you okay. know a thing that kind of lent itself to making the series uh so great mm-hmm. and even with that though right you see it in the beginning like the teamwork that they had is what they had in the first movie 94 right in 78 they were so against each other and they played into that trope a bit where it was like, oh, they all don't like her because blah, blah, blah. And they, they little ganged up on her at the beginning. But they didn't, uh, like, so many of those people almost either, either didn't survive or they just had to, they were, like, throwaway characters. So you, you have that dynamic, too, where it's like you, you play into it and you play against it to kind of show that which one is more successful. Mm-hmm. They obviously survive in the first one because of their ties together. Well, and they also uh, introduced the whole, it's the Sunnyvale versus Shady Side, mm-hmm. you know, um, which was a bit Very subtle for- there, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and you know, what's funny is when we were rewatching it, too, when they showed on the bus ride to the yeah. vigil for the football game, um, how they really managed to show the difference, too, between Shady Side and Sunnyvale where you're going through Shadyside, it's run down, it's an inner city, the buildings are colored. You go into Sunnyvale, mm-hmm. it's all white, white mansions, and that's it. And I love the way that they managed to use that juxtaposition between, I mean, race, between police and like inner city relations. I think all of that was brilliantly done. And if you look even at the at the football game, so many of, of the Shadysiders were multicultural, multi-dynamic, all of that. We're going to get the charger. Actually, I can run and grab that. I will grab the charger. I know, right? Um, versus, also, if you even look at the mascots, right? The mascots that were at at the football game, Shady Side are the witches. Sunnyvale are the demons. Or the devils, right? So, like, already, yeah. like, you have these two supposed opposing forces. What do we think are the actual bad ones? That, that play on identity, that play on all of those things is so important. Well, and I, I'm actually really happy that you just mentioned that because it kind of brings us to the end, to the outcome too. Yes. Where, you know, the witches are supposed to be the bad ones, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and the witches represent shady side and their, All this you know, misfortune. Right. 
and and everything's supposed to be stemming from this witch's curse but we find out that it actually has to do with sunnyvale and the good family uh, good is bad. Possession. Good is bad. Well, and the, the trope of the witch is such a classic trope that we all have had to deal with. Um, and as someone who, who categorizes herself as a witch, it's like, oh, look, another like bad witch movie. Like when we watched The Conjuring 3, the, the witch's thing or the devil thing that mm -hmm. we watched. And I'm like, why does it always have to be like the witch is the bad guy? Like, First of all, you don't know her. You don't know what she's been through. Like, cut it out. Um, <laughs> but like, but I mean, like, honestly, yeah, off the bat, like, off the bat, like, we have this ingrained idea that the the witch archetype is the bad. When right next to it is a devil, and you're still saying the witch is worse. When the devil literally represents is the representation of evil. And the witches How make the deal with the devil, right? So. It's it's funny how those the witch trope I, and that's what I loved so much about it. Like at the end of the third one, and it's just like uh, my brain is blown. Like we finally have broken this like mm -hmm. with this sad overdone trope of the witch being the bad guy, um, and the truth coming out. Which I mean, how much of this move this whole movie is about the truth coming out? Sam coming out to her parents. Um, having people, you know, Ziggy having people believe her, the truth coming out about what happened at the camp, like that, that ties in so perfectly under everything, um, just blew me away. See, the thing for me watching the third movie is like, I'm watching this and it's like, oh, I tried to hook up with this girl and she rejected me. Oh, I totally saw her banging the devil and her friend like it was the devil's three-way. But see, yeah. that's what happened. I know. And, well, that exactly and, and that's what I love, too, is like when you – the film the, – all three of them really played at what is going on in today's society. Absolutely. But what you have to sit and look back for is like that shit has not changed. Mm -hmm. So the same stuff is happening in 94 – the same stuff is happening in 78 and the same stuff is happening back in 1666. And it's, it's a really sad realization to be like, Hey, we're playing the same story over and over and over again. And we're not learning from it. And well, we're continuing on this path. I was looking at it as, you know, like, Oh, uh, we want to believe that there's something supernatural here. So we're going to, you know, and somebody said it. So let's run with that because this guy is reinforcing our beliefs. And I'm like, wow, times have certainly changed since 1666. I'm glad today's society isn't like that. Well, and it's, it's exactly that, mob, that mob mentality and how we are still so ingrained by it. Right. Like, well, and what, like what I said last night too, and again, to play into, you know, modern day in the yeah. past couple of years, especially was, um, the 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 media portrayal oh yeah of the deceased kids and like sarah's story and how important it is that the truth is actually out and not just you know the orange man with the tiny hand sitting and spewing shit on mm -hmm. the news and it getting misconstrued and i thought that that was another again i think this whole another film layer. was a really wonderful juxtaposition of everything that's gone on in the past mm -hmm five to 10 years really in this country, especially. Well, and I think to piggyback off of that, like I think our generation and I, and I'm accusing ours a very loose term, like the generation that is right here, this group, this age group, we grew up kind of questioning the media because of exactly what we had, we were raised with. Right. Um, 
and we like if you look at 94 like obviously like the media had so many more ways of manipulating people that they don't that that we they still have obviously um and yeah, like mtv was supposed to make you believe they were going to play music <laughs> they did for like three days <laughs> And at two o'clock in the morning, but they don't even do that anymore. I know, right? Not anymore. Um, but I, don't, I feel like there's, you know, we start to really question the media more, and our generation questions the media more. And it's because but the of thing, and, but that the thing that's through. horrible is the things that are being questioned in media today aren't the most like the ridiculous shit. Right. It's right. the people on that side watching our stuff being like, that must be a lie because there's so much more to all of that. Absolutely. Yeah. But you know what I found interesting too? If we're talking about 1666, if you looked at the generational gaps that were there, the older crowd was the one that kind of like swept into mob mentality easy more like quickly. While their their group of friends that were like Dina's character who played Sarah Fear, and all of them were horrified about what they were seeing. And I think we we rarely get to see movies about 1616, 16, whatever, um, where kids get to have fun. So them going out to the woods, them having fun, and even the kids trying to justify it, like, guys, we weren't doing anything wrong. That was huge. And I think we, you always have this battle, right, of, like, conservatives, progressives, older generation, newer generation, where the newer generation is more accepting. And yet, even after that, where, where they are more accepting, are still beaten down and beaten down to where you still just grow into, like, they just became part of of the mod like at the end of it nothing came from it it's a lot of it's it's different layers of systems of control like yes. you, know what I yes. today? you know when credit scores became a thing mm-hmm. 1989 yep. that credit scores started not you know back in the 50s when you could buy a house and for a cow i trade my cow for a house you know, like you know, you could you could raise you know a, a family, you know, three kids, and and you go on vacation on a single income. Yeah. You know, now it's like, oh well, we want to start keeping track of shit now, so exactly impose this on you. We never had to do it. Right. So, but you know, you you should. Oh, why are you so bad at everything? Right. <laughs> yeah. But also, the socioeconomical kind of aspect of this movie is really fascinating too. When you break it down to that. It, it talks a lot about like gentrification, but it also that divide that is so clearly a economic divide between the two mm-hmm. towns. Mm-hmm. It, it's all about keeping the poor poorer, and and, and, and it all stems from too like Nick Good and like his history of you mm-hmm. know the police force. So like they started this like systemic racism right from the from sixteen sixty six on. Right, and you saw and you saw it with. Uh, Shit, what's his name? The 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 um the the maintenance guy. Martin, like, Martin unsung hero. Those are those aren't my cans. No, they're mine. It's like, wait, yeah. what? Yep. It's like, yeah, I, mean, I that, put them on you because I'm a dick. Making mm-hmm. the bad guy not only is his last name good, but making the bad guy a po- a police officer. And again, and, and the good guy the being years. the guy who smokes weed, like, and that's what I said. You know, yeah. the, they they made an unsung hero out of a colored man who has not a very great quote unquote job in society, mm-hmm. who has a record for petty crime. And again, it's just it's a great again to use that word juxtaposition of, mm-hmm. it, and I think that's why I love this thing so much is because like I, I feel like everything I was like, 
I relate, I relate, yeah. I relate, or there's something that's happened recently where I relate. Yeah. And I think that's what's so great about the ending of this too. You know, mm -hmm. the way everything goes down in the mall, you have, you know, the, uh, the crazy girl, yeah. you know, getting her redemption. You have Dina and Sam, you know, closing this chapter of their story, yeah. you know, uh, and, and, catching the killer and getting redemption for Sarah fear mm -hmm. and hearing her name after all of these years, 300 years. Yeah. You know, you have people who are not supposed to be the heroes who are the heroes yeah. and shout out to Dina's brother, Josh. Oh, I love him so much. Yeah. I, that's a, Josh is my favorite character. Like he was fantastic. First of all, I mean, you know, the way that he was just reciting the Konami code throughout. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then that was Dina his calls, mantra. And then Dina mm -hmm. calls him out on it in the third episode, and he's like, "Oh yeah, it's the Konami code. It gives you an extra life." And she like took that with her. Yeah, you know, and, and she was and, saying it down in the tunnel, which yeah. like. But you know, it was uh, it was very uh, power to the little people. Yes, mm -hmm. and yeah, power to the smart people. Problem. Yeah, yeah. like you don't get a lot. Like, how many times in a movie have you seen like? The guy who's like, don't go in there. It's a bad idea. And they're like, we're not going to listen to you. Like, we're going to do what we do. This time, they listened to him. They sat down. They looked at all his information, everything that he had gathered. And they follow his lead. And I think that's really important because we don't, like, the smart people get to always be the nerds, the this, the that. But he doesn't fit that box perfectly, which is so great. Like, the smart person can be someone who does look normal. Um, I saw a great meme where it was like, the movie Alien is all about how guys don't listen to the smart woman and all she wants yes. is to or something like along those lines. Yeah, everyone yes. dies because they don't listen to the, the you know, it's like, oh, uh, it was a guy who was watching the movie with his wife and she's like, it's like, why doesn't anyone listen to her? And that's, you know, that's why the exactly. only ones who live are her and the cat because everyone, right. I mean, you know, and it's a, 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 a great, uh, even that scene where she's like, you guys can't come on the ship because you're infected. And she even says, if you break quarantine, we could all die. It's like, hey, I wonder if that could apply to anything going on today. <laughs> right. You know, but what you're talking about, the first thing that came to mind with, you know, it's like, you know, like we shouldn't, you know, we should listen to the people who have experience. We should listen to the people who know what's going on. Such when everybody wakes up in that room and Amanda's there and she's like, yeah, I've done this before. I've been part of this before. Mm -hmm. And they find the thing that says, do not use this key on this door. And the guy's like, I'm going to do what this says not to do. I'm going to yeah. use this key on this door. And the first thing that happens, he gets shot right in the face. Yeah. It's like all these tropes of like, you know, when you see a movie and it's like, all right, I've been researching this my entire life. This is what I do. You should listen to me. You know, even in Jaws, for say, like people who are who are too headstrong. Yeah. It's to usually the military really that comes to out yep. on them. Yes. Like mm -hmm. you know, again, bringing up Alien, like the second Alien movie. You know, and it's like, like oh we're all going to die. Like these aliens are systematically wiping us out. Like we have no chance. And it's like, Hey, this little girl survived here for like six weeks with no guns and no, yep. maybe we should listen to her a little bit and like, you know, take a page out of her book. And it's like, Nope, everybody died because yep, no, yep. because exactly. God forbid you listen to a child, you know, I feel like that's, or a very, or, a and I feel like that's a very play obviously on, you know, 
fragile masculine. They're like, not only will I not listen to you because you're a child and I know more than you, but you're also female, so I know more than you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The only so- other time I can, I, the only time I can think of when the military guys actually like listen and give, it's like, hey, you're the scientist who's been studying this. What should we do? So what Godzilla? Godzilla. <laughs> Godzilla and Independence Day. Those are Independence the only Day. examples yeah. I can think of when they're like, let me, like, I know what I'm doing. Like, this is my area of expertise. I'm not like, let's nuke them. Nah, that's not going to work. <laughs> oh, yeah, we'll, we'll nuke them. Oh, did that, did nuking them work? No. No, it didn't work. <laughs> Maybe we should try again. <laughs> Uh, and just to kind of touch base on uh, 1666, one of the things that I uh, thought was honestly not fantastic, but one of the things that I liked was the fact that they um, they hanged the witches. So instead of a, burning them, right. which was accurate, more yeah, yeah historically exactly. accurate, yeah. Thing where sometimes people, you know for some reason think that we burned witches here in America and that's not what happens. Yeah. Yeah. European. Uh, that's what they did overseas. They burned everybody. Um, they burned Joan of Arc too. <laughs> because they accused her of being a witch. Right. Magic sword too. They interrogated her about her magic sword, but that's for a topic for another day. <laughs> um, to, to talk actually about 1666 though, and how it, it connects back to 94, you mentioned the mall scene. Something we talked about yesterday was how home alone it felt, but in a good way. Like, yes. there I are a lot of homages in this. And, that, and not only like that. home alone, like the original Nightmare on Elm Street, yeah. like another huge, you know, final girl moment where, like, all right, we're going to fight back. Yeah. But not just like physically, like, we're going to booby trap you. Yes. And I thought that was very cool. I and- will say the, the thing I liked that they did in this, like, it was a team of people. It's like, okay, we have X amount of time, so we need to do this, and we all need to work together and do this, as opposed to, if you recall, uh, the end of, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, Nightmare on Elm Street. It's like, oh, wake me up in 20 minutes. And it's like, you're going to talk to your mom, set up all these goddamn booby traps throughout the entire house, and then fall asleep in yeah. 10 minutes? No, you're not. No, mm-hmm. you're I don't understand how people fall asleep for 10 minutes anyway. I fall asleep. But like, (laughs) there were a lot of different homages. Yeah. Obviously, scream, like you mentioned. And that's what I think. Oh, that's kind of the tear and the horror divide is a lot of people are like, oh, you ripped off scream. And it's like, no, 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 no. I think it was a a great tribute to Wes Craven and to film. Again, I know what you did last summer. I, and the same thing with 78. I think, you know, Friday the 13th, I think of Sleepaway Camp. I just think right. taking a bunch of stuff that worked in that time frame. And again, I don't think it was a ripoff. I think it was a nice homage, a nice ode yeah. to yeah. the films of those generations. Mm-hmm. Even The Shining, like, you know, you have mm-hmm. the yeah. yes. down the door with the axe and, mm-hmm. you know, covering his face with uh, the... Carrie. Well, yeah, I mean, oh, they, yeah, absolutely. And I love Carrie. I mean, they specifically call out Carrie, but they also yeah. pay homage to it as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, you know, and obviously the, the third one has uh, tones of the crucible. Yes. And uh, all of these stories that we've read uh, about, you know, um, in the same vein of of the crucible. Yeah. I mean, every it, it, there was there's definitely a lot of. Um, you know, a lot of the uh, 
you know, the common tropes, you know, everybody, it's like, oh, this guy has an ax and he has a sack over his head. It's like, yeah, that's definitely Jason from Friday the 13th part two. Like that's a hundred percent. You know, the, how uh, scary was he like the, how fast he run, he ran. Like I was, was like, I don't like that one. Yeah. Oh, and I will say too, what I appreciated about the second one, I know I brought this up to you was like the way they did the killings of the kids that I didn't have to watch that yeah. adorable chubby little boy oh. with the glasses get actually like hacked to bits. Yes. Uh, it was very tastefully done for the child murder. He, he got the, the, the eggs thrown at him and like, yeah. right. like, like what a shitty that. day that kid is having. Well, and I think this is where sometimes we, we differ on horror movies is I, I'm not a fan of gore. Like I do not like the Saw movies. I need those. Um, because I feel like it's very unnecessary and you're playing to that. And, and, Though this movie was gory, it was necessary gore, and and they I don't feel like the movie relied on it. So many movies rely on the gore aspect of it, mm -hmm. and like the shock value, and you yeah, don't to, need to that. Drive. Yeah, and that doesn't need to be what carries a freaking story. The story needs to carry itself. Right. Well, that's that's a sign of a, a. That's how you know it's going to be a bad movie when the gore is over the top and there's mm -hmm. nonstop. Yeah. Like like oh, we don't have a story, but here are some tits. Like it's like right. That's exactly, right. and which I love that they kept out of this too like other than really like that one sex scene in mm -hmm. um 78 but again i feel like that was necessary to show the development of yes. alice's even character that felt, yeah. even that felt like a uh like a uh like an accident yeah yeah, yeah like uh we need to fill like three three seconds no, of like, time. You know, seeing her seeing her boobs like you that felt like an accident because even when she got killed and she's like sitting there like dead and her, her shirt sticking to her and her shirt's wide open, but like you still don't see anything. But yeah, exactly. Like, see it for like a fraction of a second. Like, oh, did I even see that? Yeah. Well, it's kind of a callback to some of those old school horror films that didn't necessarily show a lot of nudity. Mm -hmm. well, I mean, a lot they, of, they, of they, and you know it also panders to that younger crowd i think yes. it, it all depends on like where you're going for your homage like if you're doing like 1978 a thousand percent you know friday the 13th like a thousand percent like there's mm -hmm. there's no doubt and what was that all about everybody was getting laid everybody's you know flashing their right. tail around yeah. but if you're doing an homage to say the exorcist well there's no nudity in that movie. Mm -hmm. The need to be like, right. even you know, Friday the Thirteenth. I mean, a uh, Nightmare on Elm Street had some, but like it wasn't. Like I, I'm trying to remember. Like, but I think if it's done in a way that's necessary, right? So like we recently watched that horror movie documentary, and they had all the women in it. Remember how they were talking about how? Oh yeah, In Search of Darkness. You haven't seen that incredible, fantastic documentary. Um, but they mentioned how like how they always just had the women like naked walking around just because it would pe fill people in seats, but it doesn't, it's like, it doesn't propel the story forward. It's so unnecessary. It's that unnecessary factor, mm -hmm. like similar to core, similar to all that. If your story cannot be pulled on its own with the storyline, then you shouldn't be doing it. <laughs> Very rarely can you get a good mix of the two. And the first thing that I'm thinking of is, I mean, and this is what she did for her entire career. Linnea Quigley in, uh, Return of the everything. <laughs> but Return of the Living Dead mm -hmm. is a good fucking movie. Like, yep. regardless of her, you know, flopping around, you know, naked half the time, and it's funny because that scene at the end where she's supposed to be completely naked, 
they were like, oh, well, we can't show any pubic hair, so you need to shave that all off. And then they're like, oh, that looks even worse. Now you're going to have to wear a prosthetic. (laughs) But it's like, (laughs) no, like a a legit prosthetic that made her Yeah, and that's funny. They actually talked about that in the documentary Mm -hmm. we were talking about, too. And she she talks about, she's like, I basically went to every audition with my with my tits hanging up. Yeah. She goes, because I didn't mind showing them, so I knew I would get the part. And I mean, right. and, and when you look back at all the B-horror movies she did, she did during that time, I mean, she's not wrong. And I mean, to everything she did. To piggyback off of that too, if, you, if we want to tie this into 1666, the, 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 when they're searching all the girls for witches marks mm. and that level of nudity, even that is like obviously very modest and whatnot, but that plays into, into that like, there was such a modest culture until they needed not to be right. Like like Jacob is like searching freaking Sam, like for a witch's mark in the middle of the freaking square, tearing off her clothes almost. And it's like, Mm -hmm. Hey, wait, like how, how, what happened to your modest, like sense of, you know, sense of this is how we live every freaking day until all of a sudden. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing how quickly you abandon your morals when you. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think that's also like uh, a bit of a power play on their part where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, there's nothing you can do about this. So mm-hmm. not only am I going to, you know, it's like it's like what they used to do. It's like, you know, in the, the Simpsons captured this perfectly. It's like, mm-hmm. OK, you know, uh, the, the episode where, you know, it was like supposed to be like the 1600s when Marge was a witch. And they're like, they're like, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to throw you off this cliff. But wait, wait, hear me out. If you are, you know, uh, an honorable Christian woman, you will fall to your death and know that you were all set. But if you are a witch, you'll use your powers to save yourself, at which point you must return here for torture and beheading. Exactly. Like, and that's what they were doing. They were like, oh, well, you weren't a witch, but we thought you were. So everything we do at the ends justify the means. So, yeah. So we beat the shit out of you and ripped all your clothes off. We didn't find the witch's mark, but that's not that doesn't mean it's not there. We'll still exactly. we'll, we'll right. find it's, it. We'll put it there if we have to. Right. Strip them of their dignity. Yes. yes. Because yeah. they have the power and they, they're like, you know, oh, you like rejected you are, me. Oh, well, exactly. Good luck. It's like you I'll show are you. a strong, independent female who did X. Yeah. So I'm going to, you know, even if you don't have the witch's mark, I'm going to expose you and by doing so humiliate you and strip you of your dignity. So we're on the same level. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But I'm still going to have power over you, know, you because and- no one's going to know my story. And, you know, I also want to bring up the fact that Sarah Fear sacrificed herself for Hannah Miller and the well-being of all of the other women, you know, who she was friends with in that town at that time. Mm -hmm. Which plays back to even the beginning. Think about at the beginning of 1994, where they're like, sacrifice um, Sam for the so we can get away. Right. Yeah. And it's oh, I feel like we 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 get to play that a lot. That um, that sacrifice one for the many or many for the one, and I think that's that's a, same thing. Mm-hmm. And that's a good play on uh, that we see that that theme throughout all of them. Um, I have to tell, I have to say, like in 1666, that beginning scene where she's like the pig is giving birth, and and Dina Sarah Fears character through Dina, and, and she just goes in like. You have that that moment when she's washing her hands with the blood, and you're like, "Oh, who did she kill?" Right? No, she's living in 1666, birthing baby pigs. Um, 
I will say the right, the mama pig eating the babies is probably oh, thing. Uh, that bothered that was probably the thing yeah. that bothered me the most. Yeah. No, for sure. Like a uh, stupid pig. But the Sarah Fear's dad says to her, like, oh, if your mom had been around, you were you would have been raised more like a girl almost, right? Yeah, he takes the blame he for her. He takes the blame for her being independent, being strong, being able to being support. Gay. And I mean <laughs> I mean all of that. Um, which I thought was plays so nicely with 1994 with Dina. Right. And and not being afraid. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, a lot of uh, girls who grow up uh, with certain, we'll say womanly expectations, mm -hmm. gender roles uh, placed upon them, you know, they are, uh, they act different than those girls who are raised without those gender roles you right. know, placed upon them, you know, and, and Dina, who grew up in a household with her father and her brother uh, definitely took on uh, a parental role, especially when it came to her brother, um, you know, in caring for him, but it wasn't necessarily a maternal role. Yeah, actually that's a good know? point. Um, and then, you know, going back to when she uh, embodied Sarah fear, uh, in 1666, it was the same thing. Mm -hmm. it was her doing what needed to be done, you know, so tending to the pig and helping with the birthing process. Killing you know, it when need be. Yeah. yeah. I was just say killing it when it, it, it had to happen. It feral. Um, you know, saving her, her, or I should say, not necessarily saving, but being there for her brother. Mm -hmm. Um, you yeah, know, she didn't and, save him. No, um, not in sixteen sixty six. She didn't. No, no, definitely, <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, but uh, again, it was uh, definitely a parental role, but not necessarily a maternal role, which, which is, is nice to see. Actually, now that you mention it, mm -hmm. right? Because like she is, that. and somebody who is taking care of them without that, like doting yes. and things like that, and that it was just this is what needs to be done and we're going to do it. And the roles do reverse at one point when, you know, he comes to her mm -hmm. to like try to snap her out of her like funk and her depression. Like yes. he acts to her the way she has acted towards him. Mm -hmm. and we only get to see it briefly, but like, it's a, a really nice moment where it's like, like, you know, they care about each other and they love each other, you know, but they're still, you know, they're still siblings. Right. Like, I love, siblings. And I love how that sibling role really like they play with that as well. So that sibling role in the beginning, they're like tight but not tight. And then you get Ziggy and Cindy who are like, like nemesis other, at yeah. that point. They hated each other. And at the end of both, they it was family is family. Sacrificial. And it was sacrificial. It's like I will do anything to protect you. But again, not in that maternal way. And I don't think we get to see that that sibling relationship portrayed that way um as someone who's very close with my sibling like like you don't see that it's either a maternal influence it's not like your counterpart your best friend your you know things like that that i think are we don't see very often right and you know uh an elder sibling younger sibling relationship is really interesting because um you know i have a sister and she's six and a half years younger than than i am and you know there was a a, a time when you know uh, it was a little more maternal mm -hmm. 
then still, but now it's absolutely, she's texting me right now and she's driving me fucking crazy. <laughs> um, but, you know, at the same time, it's one of those like uh, boundaries have been drawn. And, you know, I kind of feel like our relationship is a little like Dina's and, and Josh's relationship in the sense that, you know, I care for her. I care about her. I sometimes take a parental like role when need be. Mm -hmm. But also she bugs the shit out of me <laughs> and I want to kill her sometimes, but I can talk shit about her. You can't because yeah. if you do, yep. I will kill you. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I do hope that in future uh, installments, we get to see who we get to see, like what happened with her mom. We get to see yeah. who her dad is, because I so, was trying to guess and I guessed one of the kids. I was like, oh, you like you can see that, you know, Nick Good and this guy in 1978 are friends like I'll bet there. I bet that's that's their dad and he's the guy who got decapitated in the in the oh, yeah. like yeah, nope, not him because all we see is the note saying like you know it started again so it's like he's clearly someone that was involved well, not only that they really left the door open to you know so at the end of the film it's established that the good family is in with the devil and every generation needs to make a sacrifice. Yeah. And that's where all of these supernatural esque killers come from. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they really left the door open to be like, you know, like Ruby Lane, oh, Ruby Lane. you know, um, we, we are introduced to her mother. We know mm -hmm. her story a little bit, but we don't really know exactly what happened. You and know, that's really what I hope that they do with the next one too. Cause like, the killer that really creeped me out most oh, of all was yeah. the little kid with the baseball bat. Exactly. I would love to know his backstory. You know, giving me a little bit of a Chucky vibes there. Oh, yeah. Just a bit. Um, you know, uh, so I, it really leaves the door open to maybe thinking... do these standalone films with all of these different killers that come out because we see what happens with Tommy. Right. You know, yeah. He becomes the like cloth headed yeah. uh, killer. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, much like jason and the the wacky uh, lumberjack jason yeah. um but you know uh it, it still leaves the door open for a lot of that and it still leaves a lot of uh, questions unanswered yes. so i'm kind of hoping that maybe they go down that route and maybe interest introduce us to you know what happened with them mm -hmm. um but i think it did a really good job of kind of wrapping up some of these characters stories in a nice mm -hmm. little bow you know i like to think that dina and sam regardless of their uh their their differences i'm really hoping that uh sam decided to go live with her dad yeah. and shady side and be with dina and you know just kind of you know uh go back to go her back, go back to her roots you right. know and, mm -hmm. and try to stop putting on airs and being somebody that she's not. And, you know, I really hope that Dina finds a sense of peace and a sense of purpose within herself. And, you know, Josh gets to meet his queen. Yes. So that oh, I, I love, love that. that. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, that was great. I was going to say the, uh, you know, you said that reminded you of child's play. I was going to say that kind of reminded me of uh, Gage in. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, at cemetery. Yeah, yeah, at the end when he's running around murdering everybody, little Miko Hughes just running around. Oh, he was so cute. He's still so cute too. Not fair. Not fair. Yeah, no fair. 
Yeah, um, that, 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 you know, again, you know, there's a lot of different homages and like, yeah. you know, the, the, the slipknot homage where the, uh, the guy drowning people in the lake with, like, oh, a- with the leather mask on. Oh. Yeah. Again. And I, that's what I hope too is like, I'm interested in learning the, the mm-hmm. you know, the milkman. Why yeah. was the milkman so like burned. distorted and burned? Like I would, I'm hoping that that's what the next. See, Maybe, I, I think that's like a, a, a nightmare on Elm Street thing. Like, yeah, I agree. And, you know, they tried to burn the house down that he was in and, you know, he got mm-hmm. out or something. Yeah. Or like maybe that's how he died. You know, very similar to Freddie in the boiler room. But, mm-hmm. you know, he- I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, maybe some new books by R.L. Stein. Given no, wouldn't that be awesome? Either. So apparently he was on set uh, during some of the filming and stuff. Oh, cool. He liked what he saw. So, uh, you know, all of the, the, this interpretation isn't directly taken from any of the books, you know, some of the, yeah, no, it's like even this is an homage, so, yeah, like, like, like some of the, some of the storylines are, uh, a little bit of, um, like, like it's, it's kind of like, yeah, and I think I said that too, too. I was like, don't go pick up the Fear Street books and think you're going to read into what we just watched. Right. I mean, there's like 50 books, so there's yeah. like little bits of elements from each one of these, and then you know, the homages to these classic uh horror films. And I think that's something that you know, a lot of writers will do. Like, I've discussed this a lot with you know, people who write films or people who write books they put in like little homages or Easter eggs to the things that, you know, inspired them or the characters that inspired them as kids. You know, I know I do that all the time. Mm -hmm. Like literally one of my short stories is like my interpretation of, you know, uh, the, the werewolf scene from uh, um, monster squad, like a hundred percent. That's what that Mm -hmm. is. You know, there's another one that's an homage to it, uh, the Eddie Corcoran death, where he's trying, you know, he gets killed by the creature from the Black Lagoon, and he's, like, trying to find a zipper before he gets his head ripped off. So I read an article uh, in preparation for this where one of the writers discussed uh, being interested in reading some of these Fear Street books, but realizing that a lot of them pandered to, uh, because a lot of the main characters were women, they were females, pandering to females. And he was a gay kid and he didn't want to be found out. So he didn't get these books from his local library. He didn't purchase these books, you know, uh, for fear of them being, able, you know, being asked the question, why are you getting these books? And yeah. that's to keep in mind too, for a lot of people who maybe don't, aren't really familiar with the books is a lot of the fear street series is about a group of cheerleaders. Yes. So I, I could totally understand. Today. Even I remember my mom being like, why the hell are you reading a book about a cheerleader? Yeah. Yeah. So- <laughs> when when writing this series when writing these these films you know he wanted to pander to all groups not pander but well, like no, but he wanted to appeal to all groups he yeah, wanted it to be okay word. yeah he wanted everyone to be, like, to be accepted I, well exactly he wanted it okay for the little gay boy at home to be like i want to watch the fear street series on netflix absolutely he found out you know he wanted it to be okay for you know uh us to watch the fear Street series on netflix and you know 
not be questioned, mm -hmm. you know? So I thought that was fantastic. You know, the fact that they, uh, again, just kind of coming for full circle, representation is so important. Yes. And mm -hmm. the fact that it's not beating you over the head with representation, the fact that it's just, you know, incorporated in like a very real life-esque mm -hmm. incorporated into this story and becomes beautifully woven into this story to the point where you are really rooting for this teenage couple of girls yeah. to, to, to make it. Right. Yeah. Not only make it physically, like I hope they make it out alive, but you know, I, I want I them to at least works. exactly. Yeah. You know, if they're not lovers, I at least want them to be best friends going off to college together. You know, like mm -hmm. I want them to think fondly of one another. You know, twenty years from now, when they look back on all of this, yeah. You know, um, I, mean, I don't know how fondly they're going to look back at it. Remember that? <laughs> I mean, the, not not this specific you know series of events but like oh yeah that sam girl i made her a mixtape i did like the fact that that you know she in the first one she talks about like having their date and like you know having cheeseburgers and whatnot and then when she shows up at the end at the car that's still there <laughs> she's like oh i can't believe you brought cheeseburgers and it's like but, and you know what's funny what i brought up too is burger king must have some hand in netflix's pocket because Burger King was huge for Stranger Things, and they very, very <laughs> obviously. obviously put that Burger King logo on that bag and made sure that they showed it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, maybe they have like a marketing deal, like, you know, something. Because there's always, it's like, you know, like on House, if you watched House, everything was a Dell computer. And it was very obvious that they're using Dell right. computers, you know, certain things. You know, like, you know, anything that Sony puts out, like everyone's got like Sony cell phones and Sony laptops, you know, like they all have. that. It, it all depends mm -hmm. on what the studio is, because mm -hmm. uh, I think you'll see the same the same like product placement over and over. And then you have Jurassic World, which is just like, let's get everything, everything that exists. we can think of and we'll throw Jimmy Buffett <laughs> in there. There's shit you've never heard of. They've sponsored us. <laughs> yeah. So. I think this is a pretty good place to uh, kind of wrap up because we've been going for about two hours. Two hours. Right? <laughs> there's still so much to talk about. I know, right? <laughs> there's, there's a lot more to talk about, but, you know, maybe we revisit it, you know, when uh, another one comes out, we can Absolutely. talk about it. Absolutely, for sure. But uh, so it's up to you, ladies, if you want to uh, hang around for the, the third segment or if you, uh, mm -hmm. you know, you're tired of listening to us and you want to just... No, I have to get up and go to the pop-up tomorrow, unfortunately. And, uh, All right. Some oh, before we wrap, a morning person. So, I mean, <laughs> speaking of the pop up, yeah, perfect segue. Yeah, tell us about the pop up. <laughs> uh, so the pop up. If anyone you know listened to the show that we had done before, um, we are opening a horror themed restaurant here in the Halloween capital of the world, Salem, mm -hmm. Massachusetts. Everything on the menu is named after a horror character or location. Um, it's all very punny because yes. who doesn't love a good yes, pun? It should be. Absolutely. Um, and we finally, so as we're still searching for what we are calling our final resting place, uh, our brick and mortar, uh, we have found a test kitchen out of Pickering Wharf in Salem, which is a great spot right on the water, um, where we get to serve our food. 
Uh, so we're kind of doing things a little uh, unconventionally, a little backwards. We're getting the food out before we have a building so that people can come knowing that the food is already good. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, there used to be a horror themed place in Salem about 20 years ago. And what we've heard is the place is really cool, but the food was not very good. So we wanted to make sure that that doesn't happen this time around. Uh, right now we're there Friday, Saturday, and Mondays, uh, just doing pre-orders, but we're going to start doing live orders uh, within probably the week once everything we know how the kitchen runs and everything right. like that. And it is currently August 18th for anybody listening to this, you know, <laughs> in the future. So if you're listening to this, you know, two months from now, you just discovered the show. Is the it August 18th, 2021? Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. so the, well, the pop, if they're listening to it in like 2022, like the, you know, we're going to in August of 2022, like they're going to have their place at that point. So, yes, that's the plan anyway. <laughs> you guys just, uh, you, you're there uh, through January. Yes, we are. Uh, so that's what's great about it is kind of get to be established in the city. So we will be out of the same spot uh, until January. The one thing we will maybe do as well is um, have pop-ups at local breweries and things like that uh, where we bring our food, um, which is going to be really cool, especially with October coming up for yeah. Salem. Um, mm -hmm. COVID willing, I guess I should say. Yes. Um, well, where can people find your your establishment and where can people interact with you say online and you know for folks who are listening to this around here or plan on making the pilgrimage to salem where can they uh where can they put in a, a pre-order absolutely so for finding us on social media we are on facebook and instagram uh both are under the crypt salem all one word uh we still have our raffle group up as well um we're still fundraising for our building uh, we've already kind of made the decision to once we're in the building, we're going to continue doing raffles and doing local charities and things like that. Um, where you can order is we do have a square site. Um, it is the cryptsalem.square.site, um, which is all linked in our Facebook. And it's honestly probably the easiest way to find it. Um, and what's great too, is you message us. I mean, usually within the three minutes, we're very uh, on top of everything. So <laughs> So we'll, uh, we'll obviously we'll have links to everything in the, the, the show notes and, and, and whatnot. So folks can find you uh, very easily because we want this to be successful because uh, you are very delightful humans and uh, we enjoy, we enjoy your company and we enjoy yours. We enjoy, you know, conversing with you, which is why, you know, we just blew through two hours. <laughs> and we just shoot somebody has another two hours. And honestly... I was going to say, that's not counting the half an hour we were just shooting the shit before. Saying, <laughs> that it felt like we've known you guys forever. Like, it really does. It really does. And I can't wait till you guys come back to Salem and we can, like, hang and, like, just, oh. Uh, same. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, to be completely honest, I think what you guys are doing and how you're approaching this is just fantastic. I think it's the right thing to do to get crowd involvement, to get people excited. Mm -hmm. You know, um, your Kales from the Crypt group. I mean, we've won a bunch of stuff. Oh my God. Uh, but not so only that, you do a really good job of maintaining the community and, you know, uh, 
just do a really good job of i mean you both are just so gosh darn likable oh you're so sweet <laughs> there's that but you know that 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 community in and of itself is just one of the most supportive and nice yeah. it's a bunch of horror junkies true crime mm. junkies yeah it's it's crazy all of these people who are into like blood death gore yeah. <laughs> oh how are you doing today you know what like yeah, yeah. absolutely this group of people and you, yeah. you both do such an amazing job of weeding out the bad people mm -hmm. and, you know keeping such a really nice inviting environment and what you're doing right now with the pop-up we know some people who have been mm -hmm. um you know and have our buddy joe who is a, a huge supporter oh, yes um, you know, we know some people who have been who have raved about your food. I think what you were doing is fantastic. Thank you so much. We can't wait for you guys to come up and try some stuff. I'm dying. I'm dying. You're creating buzz in the right way, making <laughs> money in the right way. You know, pretty much putting your money where your mouth is, literally. Yes. <laughs> like, you know, you want to come taste our food and, yeah. and see. Well, it'll, it'll hold up. It will hold up. <laughs> So um, I think with that being said, thank you guys so much. Yes. Thanks for having yes. us. No, honestly, we've been dying to talk to like-minded people yes. about this for a while. So it's nice. And again, honestly, it's nice seeing you guys. It's been a while. So. Yeah, it's it's been like a month or so since we made the journey out there. I know. We're going to have to make another one. Yes. Soon. Yes. 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 Um, but yeah, I just good luck with everything. Thank you. Thank you. Have all of your information in our show notes and stuff too, yep. so people can find you. Okay. And uh, I think until next time. Yes, and hopefully it's not too long until next time. Yes. So. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm hoping. So, I'm hoping soon. I'm hoping we can get out to one of your pop ups like super soon because yeah. I swear you post this food and I'm just like I can I can, I cannot be hungry and then I see what you're posting and I'm like oh the American werewolf on a bun looks very good as um, does the quint the, the quint <laughs> yes yeah yes and your the, the, the Lori Strode that you had last week. Like, mm. I almost sent him out. <laughs> I almost How just went. How do you went. feel about making a drive? Just <laughs> I mean, I would. I you know, And another thing, you know, before we let you go, another thing that you both are doing that I think is fantastic is you are pandering to different dietary needs. Not pandering. Not pandering. But, but you are accommodating. 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 You are accommodating different dietary needs, which I think is so yep. necessary and so fantastic because you know uh, it's all about inclusivity exactly yes, it is That's absolutely what this whole place is about is that no matter who you are what you eat what background you come from that you always have a place in yep. our place because that's the kind of place we needed growing up so yeah. we want to make sure that that's the place that we can give this community mm -hmm. all right well we'll let you ladies go and uh we'll take a quick break when we come back we have a new battle and uh, we'll let you know what's uh, coming along. So Awesome. Thank you again. Are you looking to add to your collection of sports memorabilia? Trying to find that grail item to show off to your friends? Do you like to win? Then head on over to the Major Sports Drops group on Facebook. From pucks to jerseys, bats to helmets, Major Sports Drops is your place for sports memorabilia items dropped daily. Signed by today's stars as well as Hall of Famers. 
Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, Mike Ditka, Barry Sanders, Wade Boggs, Zdeno Chara, Odell Beckham, Lamar Jackson, Frank Thomas, and many more autographs have already been pulled. You can get in on the action for as little as $5 per spot. There are multiple drops each day, with special contests also running at various times each month as well. So join the Major Sports Drops Facebook group and get in on the action today. At Strong-Willed Sports Memorabilia and more, our mission is to raise as much money and awareness for pediatric cancer research as possible through the giving away of authenticated, autographed sports memorabilia and more. All proceeds from our games will be donated to various pediatric cancer foundations, with the majority going to the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute and the Jimmy Fund. Our mission to give back began when Craig and Kara's son, William, was diagnosed with a stage 4 Wilms tumor, and his courage to fight and overcome his cancer ultimately led to the start of the hashtag Strong-Willed Movement. For more information on how to donate and support this great cause, please visit the hashtag Strong-Willed Sports Memorabilia and More Facebook group. Hi, this is Dominic Pace, who played the bounty hunter Gecko from The Mandalorian, and you are listening to the Throwdown Thursday podcast. That was really fun. Like, I really like those ladies, and we need to hang out with them more. Because um, the last time we were supposed to hang out with them, Kaylee wasn't feeling well, so we only got to see Anna Maria for, like, five minutes. And I mean, it's also been a really, really warm summer. And that day we were out there was, like, a million know, degrees, yeah, and that was yeah, the day we learned that my a... AC doesn't work. Yeah. So that was, was super a, awesome. Was the whole thing. Um, but no, if you are in the Salem area, if you plan on visiting Salem during spooky season, definitely check our show notes and look for the crypt pop up. Because let me tell you, uh, you will not be disappointed. And we're going to be I mean, like, you know, plastering, you know, all the uh, all the uh, links everywhere anyways, because 
they're amazing people. So I mean, bringing a horror theme restaurant to Salem, which surprisingly enough does not have a horror themed restaurant, which is nuts. And what's fantastic is if you aren't into horror, I'm sure you like good food. Like you're guaranteed not only great atmosphere. Uh, and I'm sure excellent service once they have once they have everything up and running. But the food looks amazing, and from what I've seen so far and what I've heard, it tastes pretty good too. Yeah, um, and we'll find out hopefully soon. But uh, we Fingers have crossed. we have a new battle for you guys. We do have and a new battle because we have a new battle. We have to play the battle theme. It's not for today is horror is a gateway drug who or what is responsible for your introduction to horror you can choose from rl stein you know him from the goosebumps or fear street series uh stephen king if you decided to skip all that and just jump right to it which apparently is what my counterpart did Yep, that's what I did. That was the first one I read. So, well, fun fact, um, I used to read Goosebumps a lot, and then they uh, introduced the whole choose-your-own-adventure thing, which was big amongst a lot of literary... uh, Yeah, it was a lot of fun. ...things for for a bit. Um, And then I I made the move to Fear Street, because I I grew up in a... Well, not grew up, but... uh, I lived in a small town for a while, and there really wasn't much to do during the summer. So I would spend my summers at the library, and I would just read constantly. So I remember this one summer that I started out reading the Fear Street books because I was ready to kind of make the jump from Goosebumps to to Fear Street. Um and, and they were good. They were really good. But I was just eating them up. I was going through them like crazy. And they just weren't, uh, they weren't doing it for me anymore. So I asked my parents. I said, hey, can I read Stephen King? And my parents were like, well, I kind of wish you wouldn't. Because my parents weren't and aren't They were a little conservative when it came to the horror stuff. Right, right. But they're like, okay, like, I I guess, you know. um, So I read The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon. I read Misery. And then I took out It. And I started reading It. And I would put it under my bed because I used to read at night before I went to bed. And my dad found it. And he was like, you are not reading this. And I was like, well, what do you mean? I read, you know, these other, uh, I think I even read Carrie. Um, You know, it's like, I've read all of these other Stephen King books. Why can't I read It? Like, it's fine. And he's like, no, you are not reading It. And as an adult, knowing what it is about... Knowing, uh, you know, because there is a, a discrepancy between what happens in the book and what happens on screen, uh, both in the uh, 90s televised miniseries version and, you know, the most recent it uh, 
double feature in the theaters. Uh, very different, very different. And, you know, my dad made the right call of not letting his 12-year-old daughter <laughs> read it. I probably would have had a lot of questions. Yeah, I read it um, when I was 12. Yeah, a, a, a lot of questions. Um, so anyways, like I said, uh, horror is a gateway drug. Who slash what is responsible for your introduction to horror? You can choose from R.L. Stein, Stephen King. Are you afraid of the dark? The series that was on SNCC, remember Saturday Night Nick, way back in Submitted the 90s? for the approval of the Midnight Society. Uh, or other. And if you choose other, choose your own adventure, please let us know in the comments what your other is. Yeah, because I, I have a couple things that I saw long before I got into Stephen King that kind of introduced me to horror. And I've talked about it on the show before, but I'll save that for the for the post. Uh, so what else do we have coming up? We have uh, we have some other episodes of things that we're going to be covering. We have, uh, I think, I, I'm looking forward to covering some of the what-if stuff, um, especially the Marvel Zombies that's going to be coming out in a few weeks, because I think that's going to be interesting. But, I mean, there's always new movies and things that are coming out. Um, I think with all the uh, the love for Brendan Fraser, we should watch the, the Mummy films, because I know you haven't seen them. I have not. Uh, and I think I've you'd really like, like them. Bits and pieces of them. Uh, there's like what three three movies? Yes, I think I just saw the third one uh, recently, but I don't even remember I think if they I used watched to, it. Um, play them on like TBS or TNT or one of those stations. Um, I've seen bits and pieces of them, but I haven't actually seen them all. Like. In their entirety, back to back to back. I did see Scorpion King, but that really doesn't have anything. I mean, it has something to do with the Mummy series, but not a lot to do with the Mummy series. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. A little, little bit. bit. But uh, yeah, we're, we've got a bunch of stuff good planned for you because, you know, everybody needs something nice to listen to that's... Uh, you know. We're also in the process of putting together a The Suicide Squad episode. Yes. Not Suicide Squad, although we'll suicide probably squad, talk about the... that. Uh, but The Suicide Squad episode with some uh, star-studded guests, so be on the lookout for that. Also, uh, be on the lookout in a couple of weeks is the first annual Amalgamania Podcast and Entertainment Awards live stream. It's the award ceremony. So it's something that we have been advertising for a while now. And uh, it's done. The judges are judging. The submissions are in. And we're in the process. Submitted. <laughs> we are in the process of naming the finalist. And the live show will be online. Um, streaming on Sunday, August 29th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. So be on the lookout for information for that. Oh, yeah. There's going to be links and everything all over the place. And so. apparently we're hosting it. Yes. We still have to figure out the logistics of what we're going to do with yeah, this we, room. We have, we have stuff to do. A lot that, of planning. That, that's, that is thoughts. That's future that Patsy's problem. That's not current Patsy's about problem. about when Ashes has had less wine. Fewer wine. 
I've only had half of four bottles of wine. But, uh, yeah, so we have all the show notes uh, or all the links in the show notes. Definitely check out Kales from the Crypt. Uh, check out uh, Kales from the Crypt Horror Razzles uh, on Facebook because uh, I recently just I hit a double prize. Um, they had a uh, uh, pieces of the original Slimer puppet uh, with a certificate of authenticity uh, movie prop thing. Um and they were giving away two of them, and I won actually both of them. And uh, I sent one to uh, our good friend, powerful Brandon, because I wanted because uh, he was super bummed that he didn't win. I mean, this group has pretty much any type of memorabilia relic that you could ever want. You know, if you are a horror fan, you absolutely 100% need to be in this group. We have won so many cool things. You have won blood from the De- jo- jo- the uh, death from scene. Death Quince-, Quince death scene in right, Jaws. In Jaws. Um, you also won a signed poster by Susan Backlany. Uh, I've won uh, Camp Crystal Lake water, uh, dirt from the Night of the Living Dead, a bunch of signed photos, you know, uh, Catherine O'Hara. I would say, yeah, including Eli Catherine O'Hara as Delia Dietz in Beetlejuice, including motherfucking Carol Baskin. Yes, I forgot about Carol, that bitch Carol Baskin. I Which I'm so excited. I'm like, I'm equally excited for Carol Baskin as I am for the Catherine O'Hara print. Um, so many cool things. Plus, you are helping out such a great cause. All of the money that is raised is going directly into making this restaurant happen. All of the money raised from the pop-ups are going directly into making this restaurant happen. Uh, you know, it's it's a restaurant by the people for the people horror people of Salem. I, I think it's such a fantastic thing. And, you know, Kaylee has pretty much had every single job in the restaurant business except for owning her own restaurant. And that's just the, it's the logical next step for her, really. She is so knowledgeable about everything. And she has a great group of, of partners together to, uh, you know, bring this restaurant to Salem and, the food looks amazing. Yeah, like so, some of the pictures that they've posted are just beyond amazing. So um, we definitely need to get out there and we need to get some of their food. The names. Like, let me just... The, the, the names are... The Jason Forchies. So incredibly punny. Like, it would just bring a tear to your eye. The Hellraiser. Um you know the the which has like habanero peppers like super spicy like it's yeah it's going to be awesome and uh i know a lot of people like the the lydia beats mm-hmm. yeah so there's there's a lot of awesome stuff that they're doing and you know obviously we'll post everything that we can because we're trying to help th- help promote them and share their stuff so um uh, like i said we've got a lot of good stuff coming down the pipeline for you and you know we're going to share lots of awesomeness with you because we love you and uh, I think with that being said we We will will see you next Thursday. Thursday